get it going. It's time to get up. That comes back to the line for Hughes. Now to the left circle, Miller. On to the right way for Pedersen. High wrist shot, he scores. Elias Pedersen fires it off the crossbar and in. These guys are here to break it all down. The thing I think with Vertan is there aren't a lot of guys with, who can do what he does anymore. And someone out there is going to think, I want this guy's second chance. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Terry Sokowski sucked tonight. This is the starting lineup with James Sobolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city once again. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 on this Thursday, February 4th. James Sobolski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack. Back on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Lots to get to over the next three hours. Brian Burke will drop by in an hour. We'll also catch up with Canucks Insider here on Sportsnet, Ian McIntyre, on your Canucks commute coming up at 8. And Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast will try to pick you a winner for Super Bowl Sunday coming up in about 15 minutes from now. And all that and a whole lot of Leafs Canucks as the Canucks continue this six-game road trip, the start of three against the best power play and maybe the most high-octane offensive unit in the North Division and the Gord Downey Division tonight, Perry. Yeah, and I, so we'll play Canucks in a song tomorrow as we do after every game. And as the intro started, and I got that pep talk from Brian Burke, it must have been a song that someone sent or something. Cause I started kind of singing, I don't know. And I guess that's what I think about tonight. I don't know. I don't know what we get from this Canucks team. And that's not what you want in a football team when you're going into a Super Bowl. We know what we're going to get from those two. And it's not what you want from a baseball team when you know the pitcher's on the hill. You don't want it from a hockey team when you're going, I don't know. What do we get? Are we getting Winnipeg? Or are we getting Montreal? Is it just that Montreal is going to have their number and you're going to lose to the Habs all year long? That's okay as long as you beat other teams. So the Canucks stayed away from the ice yesterday in Toronto, stayed away from the media except for the GM. And now you go. We'll we'll see what they can do. I think it's a better matchup for them. I think it's skill on skill, not as much size, not as much intimidation. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what we get, James. I'm not sure what to believe right now. Uh, it, the encouraging thing is it's a it's a clean slate and it's not Montreal. I think everybody will take that, right? Uh, give it, given the run that it's been this year in five games against the Habs, that's just a lousy matchup, it appears like, based on the numbers and the body of work that we've seen in five games against the Habs. You're right. I think there's a chance for this to be a little more open for this style and, and it could bode well for the Canucks. But on the flip side of that pair, this is a team that has absolutely hemorrhaged high, high, high-quality scoring chances. And for a team that has the best power play unit in the National Hockey League right now, operating at over 43%, I mean, that screams recipe for disaster uh, matching up with the Leafs tonight. But you touched on, you know, I don't know what you're going to get from, from this Leafs team. I don't know what to make of what I saw yesterday in Post Media's article um, that you just alluded to with Jim Benning and his comments to uh, inside the article in the province here. And if for people that are reading the paper this morning or that looked online last night, um, I, Jim Benning addressed the question that I think a lot of people have been asking for the better part of the last 10 days, and that's how 
did Tyler Toffoli not stay here at that price? And Benning kind of got into it. And, you know, I understand the logic pair, but, man, it is just a horrible look um, for everything that Jim Benning has tried to do in the offseason that has blown up, right? I mean, to, to let Tyler Toffoli walk, you got $2.5 million in Vertanen sitting in the press box right now. Like, where would that $2.5 million be better spent if you got a guy who can't even get into the lineup? Like, enough of the money sitting parked. That's where people look at it and say, dude, where's my car or where's the return on this team right now? If you didn't see the article, here's what Benning said, quote, it was our intention to try and get him signed. And if we could have had a little more time, we could have tried to work through that. It got to a point where I know Tyler wanted to come back and we were trying to figure it out. We kind of ran out of time when with him getting offers and one he needed to take would have had to move money out, end quote. I, I understand it's not the great look, but people, what was the concern for you in this hockey team when you were going into the offseason and you saw Jacob Markstrom got his money from Calgary? Oh boy, there goes our MVP. How are we going to settle that situation? Are we riding with Thatcher Demko and then just kind of a lesser light backup? Or can we find someone? you got to find someone, Jim. And he comes up with, but up as the winner, Stanley Cup champion. Here's Braden Holpe. Nice, Jim. That's okay. That works okay. And we haven't complained as we get to the quarter pull after tonight's game about the goaltending. Okay, what are we doing on the blue line, man? You lost Chris Tanner. If you couldn't get Stetcher, that would hurt. You need something. But uh, Nate Schmidt, hey, nice job. Nate Schmidt, how did you weasel that one? That's good. Then at the end, hey, Travis Hamannick. Oh, that's nice. Phil's Tanner. The one area, and Jim Benning admitted it on this show, that I'm a little bit worried about is scoring on the wing. But I understand his priority. And I understand Tyler Toffoli. When I'd like to stay here, this is great. Tanner Pearson's here, buddies. Uh, but at the same time, you got an agent going, you know, guess, guess what? Tyler, they want you here. And so what we've witnessed is the absolute perfect storm. It happened during free agency. He couldn't get it done because the owner wasn't allowed to move money. And we just saw the best stretch of Tyler Foley's NHL, Tyler Foley's NHL career against, against the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, Jim Benning's going, get out of here, Montreal. But I don't know if Tyler Toffoli, he's not continuing this pace. It'd be nice to have him. But what if Hoaglander scores, you know, five in the next ten? Aren't you going to go, you know what? That's not bad. You got this entry-level good deal. We'll be okay without Toffoli. He hasn't scored since he's played the Canucks. Like, who knows? His numbers are crazy, and it's it's an outlier right now. I just think that everything else is compounded. Like, for the, like for the now pair, and, and time may tell in, say, two, three years from now, the Markstrom and Tanov, uh, Holtby, Schmidt, you, know, you might feel way better about this in three years from now or two years from now for that matter, possibly. But for the now, uh, would you, would, this team would be better off with Chris Tanov and Jacob Markstrom over Braden for, Holtby and Nate Schmidt. Like right now? For no, sure. Tan, Tanov and Markstrom would be better served for the Vancouver Canucks. And this is – look – I understand that logic, and I would have done the same thing in at that time. But you know, we'd be, I'd be, I'd be the same guy eating a poop emoji right now too if I was running the Canucks because I would have signed off on that. But Jim Benning's got to wear it. But this is also not just the now. He put himself in this position because of the, the inflated contracts. Now, yeah, I, I, you know, and then not only that with Jake Vertanen. Here's the other thing. 
But let's say you didn't use that $2.5 million to spend on Jake Vertanen, right? Now, what if you didn't move him and you just let him walk? You chose not to qualify and to, to walk away. How would this market... Now, as frustrated as we all get with Jake Vertanen, how would this market have reacted to let Jake walk for nothing after drafting him sixth overall in 2014 and letting him walk at that time? 24 years old, skates like the wind, 6'2", 215. This market would have lost their ish pair. Try Cam Neely's name would be trending. Right? <laughs> Cam, because that, oh my God, you did it with Cam Neely. Now you did it with Jake. Imagine Jake Vertanen in a different uniform getting to a start like Tyler Toffoli. James, you're right. Like this would, uh, Jim Benning would be done by now. He would have been absolutely crucified. So this was the perfect storm to say, well, it didn't work out. And to think it was as easy as go, okay, we're going to let Jake go. I drafted, we're going to get nothing for him, and we'll keep Toffoli. And then Jake lights it up, and Toffoli is hurt, and he's 29. And you're going, are you kidding me? Jake's going to have 30 this year in his new uniform, and we got freaking Tyler Toffoli. It's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's halfway through this, uh, or a quarter way through the season. It's the ultimate start for Tyler Toffoli. And criticize Jim Benning, and you're absolutely right. He couldn't make these deals because of deals he made three or four years ago, right? And you can't do anything about it. When you brought in Jay Beagle and Anton Roussel, this team's floundering. You go, well, at least they got a leader in Beagle. He's got a ring. You need someone to show these guys. You need it to work out. And maybe a little more time, as Jim said in his article and post meeting, would have helped. The fact is you don't get any more time when it's free agency. you got to have everything in place. And if you don't have that extra Monopoly money, you're probably going to lose out. He did, and it has been absolutely crazy to see how it's played out in the first three weeks. I don't know. Maybe in a month from now, we're going to fully. hasn't scored since that last Canucks game, and Jake's at least a regular and starting to hit some people. But for right now, it's a tough pill to swallow. Oh, it's it's horrible, right? And and I think a lot of this you can sweep under the rug if the lotto line is playing the way like it did last year. But it's not, right? You know, Hughes is off. Miller's off. Pedersen's off. Schmidt's trying to find his game right now. Holpe hasn't really stolen a game for the Canucks. Markstrom's had a few shutouts. Tanev's thriving. The goal he scored the other night from his own blue line to get his first. Of course, Chris Tanev gets that type of goal. And then Tyler Toffoli, he's got nine goals already so far this season and leads the NHL in goal scoring. Like, it is the, the ultimate, holy crap, like, what else could go wrong, Right. I guess at some point we'll, we'll wait to see somewhere in the next year that Jed Brackett drafted the the next Connor McDavid. That, like that's the only other thing that can essentially go happen here to go even worse for Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks right now. But you well, know, I don't know, man. It, it's 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 crazy, and I, I don't know if you, at this point, like Jim said, there's no trade coming, right? There's no help coming for this team right no. now. No, there's not. Uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line is, is hopping this morning. Dan's up in, in Fort St. John saying, and, and I agree with Dan. Should we have tried to keep Toffoli? Sure. And it sounds, of course, they did. But at the end of the day, he's a 20-goal guy. If he doesn't go off against Canucks, this is even a story. No, Dan, I would say not. If Tyler Toffoli's off to just a regular average start, we would be watching him, and we would be comparing him to Niels Holglander, who's got that position now. And likely going, you know, I understand that. If Toffoli's going to get them 20, fine. But Holglander's going to be a 20-goal guy, too. And you saved yourself $4 million in salary. And, if, James, I think I mentioned it on this show after the opening night in Edmonton. 
you know what? I can understand that. Hoaglander is faster than Toffoli. You want this team to be fast, and Hoaglander's been good. It's just the guy you're compared against is is got the hottest touch in the NHL right now. Yeah, it's a story because you couldn't get it done. But I don't know if it's the same story when we're halfway through the season. But after the quarter poll, and you've played this many times, sure, it's it's a topic and maybe one that Jim Benning hope goes away, and it will because you won't see the Canucks for. for but the, this the is the, but this is this is less about Defoli and Jake, and this is more. And, and the collector dude, I think, makes this great point here on. Uh, uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text line as well, where, you know, it's it's unforgivable. 10% of the salary cap sitting in the press box, another 15% playing on the fourth line. If you or I mm-hmm. mismanaged our company's budget like that, we'd be looking for a new job. And that's that's the that's issue, fair. right? Like, you know, Louis Erickson has played no games this year, and there's a $6 million AAV. Now, if you want to put that on Francesco Aquilini to initially sign off on that deal and to not want to make it go away, hey, you can do that. I mean, it's it's COVID, though, and I get that where teams do not want to sit there and write more checks than they have to, right? And you're almost there on the finish line with Louie, but that's a bad look right now for an organization. And then the Sven Berchi situation and Ryan Spooner's buyout. Like, that's $10 million right now mm-hmm. that is just absolutely dead money for this team. Though They get a mulligan on the, on, the, on the recapture for Luongo, right? Like, that's not on Benning, so I'll give them that. But, man, that's that's $10 million right now with Berchi, Erickson, and Spooner. And then throw in Jake's $2.5 million. It's a healthy scratch. You know, Ole Olevi is a fifth overall pick. He can't get in the lineup on a regular basis almost five years after him. Man, it's an, it's nuts. I, I do want to get here, Perry, real quick. Um, Elliot Friedman was on the program last night with Andrew Walker and Sat Shaw and weighed in on the future of Jake Bertanen. And with him sitting in the press box right now, you know, is he, does he become the next one like Sam Bennett, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Lina to ask out? Here's what Friedman had to say on the future of Jake Bertanen here in Vancouver. You know, here's the way I look at this, Sat. As we're doing this interview right now, I don't know that Jake Bertanen's asked for a trade. Everybody can see what's going on here, right? He's frustrated. They're frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. It's clear that he does not have the trust of the organization right now at this minute as we talk about it on Wednesday night. Now, the, the question is, is this, a, is this a short-term thing or is it a long-term thing? Are the Canucks committing to other players, whether it be Gaudet or someone else, that Erickson's going to be out of the lineup? Or not Erickson, that, that Vertanen's going to be out of the lineup? Because if we get to that, then for sure there's going to be a trade request. If there even needs to be, there'll be something like that. You know, I wrote this week in in the blog that you mentioned, Andrew, that I think under the surface, there's probably a ton of guys right now who want to be traded. Because you know what? If you're not playing right now, it sucks even more than normal just because of the situations we're playing under. You know, there's no question Vertanen doesn't have great trade value right now. I think there will be teams who look at him and say, if I'm going to take, like, you know, you look at Sam Bennett right now, okay? He's not thrilled with his with his spot. He wants to be traded. I think they're getting offers for him and decent offers because Sam Bennett's a guy who you've seen what he does in the playoffs and you're like, we can use that. Now, the thing I think with Vertanen is he hasn't been that player but you can look at him and say there aren't a lot of guys with who can do what he does anymore. And someone out there is going to think 
I want this guy's second chance. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to give you a lot for him. Of course, they're going to try and get him for as little as they possibly have to give up. But I do think people out there will see the value. And when it comes to this, the Canucks are not dealing from a position of strength right now. There's Elliot Friedman on the program yesterday. So, I mean, it's just a, a tough look right now for the organization with all that money sitting in the press box at this point. Uh, James Sabolski, Perry Silkowski, kicking it with you here on this Thursday morning. It is game day. The Canucks and the Leafs, much more coming your way in a matter of moments. But it's also Super Bowl week. The big game kicking off in uh, three days from now and joining us uh, to, to look ahead to the big game and try to get you paid with all the prop bets and everything from the Bet the Board podcast. Does your mind explode at this? time of the year with all the prop bets mr todd Furman. there is definitely a lot to process let's put it that way it's trying to figure out game flow game script and anticipating which players will perform to their normally high levels which ones will underwhelm which ones can surprise and we just have to wonder if these two teams will play more defense on sunday than we see nightly from the vancouver canucks yeah well at least we're playing uh, your, that's, your very team in point, Vegas that's a very good point. I'm not there. sure we're going to see my Knights out on the ice anytime soon, and it's a little bit disheartening, to say the least. Yeah, it's been strange. Um, I, I said Kansas City two weeks ago. Do a lot of betters change their minds over this two-week span before they kick off? Or when you, you like a team, you know, you can read too much, you can change your mind. Is, is that the norm, Todd, that happens it, as it, we prep for the Super Bowl? It's always interesting because you do have two weeks to try and go into this game, dissect every angle, and you're bombarded with information, whether it's from a handicapping perspective, whether it's narrative, trying to figure out who may or may not be available for some of these teams, and then trying to dig into some of the X's and O's. So I think a lot of people right out of the gates go, as soon as the number was available Sunday on Conference Championship Day, they set their mind and they're not going to waver from that particular position. But there are others that'll go in and they'll go, you know what, I thought I liked Kansas City. Now I'm starting to waver a little bit and leaning towards Tampa Bay or vice versa. And then you throw in the potential for weather on Sunday with some rain in the forecast. That'll change the handicap again, knowing that Kansas City and everything they want to do offensively is built on team speed. Well, if it's a sloppier track and a little bit slower, that could work to Tampa's advantage. It's like the, uh, the, that scene from Seinfeld, right? His mother was a mother. His father was a mother, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. You're looking at these trends. These are things we need to know here, Furman. I, although I, I can't imagine it being all that sloppy in, in Tampa, Florida here uh, for Sunday, right? I think. Well, it's interesting because when you look at some of the uh, forecasts, the worst of the front expected down there along the Gulf is supposed to come in in the wee hours of the morning on Sunday morning, and they may catch a little bit of a lag right around kickoff time. So it doesn't appear that wind will play a major role, and that's typically the one weather element that you want to look to bet the game under. Uh, But even with a covered field, if there's additional humidity and maybe in that first hour or so, if this thing gets torn up some, I really believe that'll work to the team with a better defense that wants to play a physically imposing brand of football more so than a finesse game in space well we see the well we see the point move a half point it's, it's kind of been at three the whole time has it moved yet I would be stunned, honestly. We did see this number open at three and a half when it was first hung on the board, and immediately you saw an appetite from professional bettors to grab that hook. Number sitting at three and has been painted there. You can find some rogue three and a halfs that are out there. And crazy enough, the only Super Bowl not to move after the opening Sunday in recent years that was also on three was Atlanta and New England. And all of us kind of remember the treat we had that particular season, 28-3, to Atlanta giving up the lead and ultimately getting the first Super Bowl to go to overtime. 
time. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, the last 18 Super Bowl favorites, those teams have gone just 6-12 and 12 against the spread. So if you really love the Chiefs here, a little bit of history working against that. Okay, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast here on Sportsnet 650. I took a futures bet on the Chiefs back in September. I took Atta the boy. Chiefs when I saw them at uh, <laughs> I, I saw them at three at, at three point favorites when the line was initially set. I jumped on that, figuring I would probably swing. Uh, do you like my chances? I guess going into Sunday. So I do not have a bet on the side in this game yet, but I'm leaning towards Tampa uh, myself. The main reason that I feel that way is because when I look at Kansas City on the offensive line, the only player that's there who started this season in his normal position was Austin Ryder. Losing a guy like Eric Fisher hurts. They were a little bit thin without Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, and I just get the feeling this Tampa defense is playing with a heck of a lot more confidence now than what we saw back in Week 12 when their secondary was without Jamal Dean. Uh, it's not a game I love, though. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how much home field advantage I want to attribute uh, to this number for the Bucks. I've made it a half point right now. May sway and make it a little bit steeper. Uh, but when you find out that Tampa's not going to be able to use the actual cannons in the stadium, I mean, that changes the dynamic quite a bit to rile up the fans that are in attendance. They're going to have to use pre-recorded audio when the NFL handed down that edict earlier this week. Is that is it possible? And and, and I hope this isn't cannon fodder, but is it possible <laughs> Leonard Fournette could be the key to this football game? He looks so different think, in the last month, right? Yeah, Look, I definitely think the Tampa he looks different. They got to run the ball effectively, and we've seen their offensive line uh, have a little bit more success carving out holes for him. And whether it's the fact that Fournette knows he's going to be the bell cow as Ronald Jones has been dealing with a quad injury, uh, or it's a guy that just realized, hey, I'm pretty fortunate to be in this spot uh, when the Jacksonville Jaguars cut bait with me early in the campaign. But it's not only been Fournette running between the tackles, it's been his receiving ability as well. He does have a couple of drops, but I can tell you from a prop standpoint, uh, professional bettors have bet him over his number at three and a half catches. It's been one of the sharper positions out there in conjunction with Ronald Jones under one and a half. So I think when you look at Tampa and all of their weapons offensively, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, et cetera, Antonio Brown will grab the headlines. But I do think the effectiveness of Leonard Fournette will be directly correlated uh, to their ability to win the football game. Okay, is there a, is there a prop bet you like? like who's who's singing the anthem? Uh, is, is there something you see? Who there? is singing the anthem? Believe it's a duet. I don't know the female vocalist it'll be, but I think Eric Church is the male sound. So it's always interesting when you get two people out there. It's a little tougher knowing that they haven't truly rehearsed together. So we're trying to dig into some of those numbers, so I can't give you a good pick on the anthem. Uh, but what I will say is I did bet the first quarter under 10.5 when you look at Tom Brady-led teams and, of course, different surrounding talent and different head coach. But Brady's offenses have accounted for just three points in the first nine Super Bowls he's played in. We've seen the Super Bowl typically a little bit more conservative in game plan. And the other interesting note, guys, uh, the last offensive touchdown that we've seen on an opening possession of a Super Bowl was Brett Favre to Antonio Freeman way back in Super Bowl 32, other than a safety, a kick return. So I think the game starts off a little bit slower, uh, and I would lean towards Tampa as well in the first half, plus two and a half. But right now, still going through some of the props. Did bet the Fournette over receptions, Ronald Jones under, uh, and waiting to see if Mother Nature will give us some opportunity to a lot more of these under the total as well. Is there a bet on the weekend and when he sings Blinding Lights? Are you like, listen, we're proud of him. He's a Canadian, but I, I don't know how many commercials you've seen. I'm almost to the point of turning off the halftime show going, really? Yeah, no, I've seen you a hundred times. 
I mean, Perry, Pepsi has to get their uh, bang for their buck. So we've seen the same oh, commercial up. with the weekend driving in through the security booth uh, over and over yeah. again. There, there yeah. are some numbers out there for uh, his overall set. Unfortunately, a lot of those only available in the offshore markets. So you have to look a little bit further and wider to try and find those particular prices for the diehard weekend fans that are out there. And when we you, say know what they, you know what they need to do, guys, is the weekend should be driving that car since we've had to see it for the last two months. That's how he should enter the stadium, <laughs> driving the car, right? I, I like the level of creativity. One thing I will say, if you're looking for one of the more unique, and it's a little bit morbid in terms of props that are out there, did see one offshore book offer the over-under uh, combined sacks and tackles for JPP to the amount of fingers he has on his right hand. So there oh, is a ton of creativity <laughs> out there, some done in good taste, uh, some done in a little bit uh, edgier than the other betting markets that are available. What's the over-under for exposure for uh, the Chiefs and uh, COVID exposure with their barber from uh, the other day? How about what that? What a story. You have to think how, how big a storyline or even bigger that would have been uh, had more of the Chiefs been exposed to it or any of them tested positive. Thankfully, the Chiefs were proactive. Now, why they didn't test the barber before he was even allowed around the team remains anybody's best guess. Uh, but we can only hope that there's no COVID scares between now and Sunday because oh I think uh, that would be the worst-case scenario if any of the marquee players weren't able to go uh, in what's been an otherwise eventful up-and-down season. But you'd like to see the best in the world out there trying to compete for the Lombardi Trophy. Stay safe. I'm telling you. I'm a conspiracy guy. That barber had something to do with Tom Brady in high school. I'm betting you. <laughs> Perry, I'm putting you on the case. I expect you to go out there and try and figure out all the ties that you can possibly find between that barber and Tom Brady. If you find something, you, my friend, will be able to produce a 30 for 30 and sell those TV rights for a small fortune. <laughs> Thanks, Furman. Now you got me wondering because James and I are all on the Chiefs. We're going to forget <laughs> Always this a pleasure, boys. Good luck with your picks and enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks, Furman. Take care. It's Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast uh, weighing in. In case you missed the story, uh, there were 20 members of the Chiefs organization, including Pat Mahomes, that were in line for a haircut the other day with the team barber who wound up testing positive. And they actually had a player who was in the chair when the Chiefs actually came over and got the barber out. It's like, you got to get out of here because they got his results as, as he was basically cutting people's hair. Uh, he was wearing a mask, and the player was wearing a mask. But, man, you think about how many people could have been exposed to that. Had, well, uh, oh. he, here's my thought, though, James. And, and, you know, we're seeing all these postponed hockey games. None of them in Canada yet, by the way. But, uh, I mean, the, the fact is, you know, you're, if you're the team barber, like, aren't you making sure you don't do anything? You honestly think the team barber's not going and having dinner if it's allowed to in Kansas City? You think he's locking himself down like what makes it a, you know, you just, I don't know how well they've locked everything down, right? It, it hasn't been, but yeah, that, that would have been the end of it, right? Short and tight, and you go, yeah, we're done. The short and tight would have been the theme rather than wide right from Buffalo years back. Short and tight would have been the memory of this. <laughs> I thought you wanted the Scott Norwood. That's what I thought you wanted, the fade there. I, yeah. You know, wide right, yeah. Uh, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. It is game day with the Canucks and the Leafs. And uh, speaking of which, in a moment, We'll get into Seaball Says, the dirtiest word in British Columbia, and especially here in Vancouver. We'll get to that next. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. 
6.33, Sabalski and Solkowski game day here on Sportsnet 650 with the Canucks and Leafs. It is the dirtiest word in Vancouver. No, not the F word. No, not the other one that may was made famous from the vagina monologues either. It's the one that gets people's backs up here on the West Coast as soon as they hear it. Toronto. Toronto. I first discovered this in 2000 when I moved to beautiful British Columbia. And I met people, and when I asked, was asked where I was from, where I had moved from, I said that word. And I was amazed at just how many people immediately put an F word in front of the T word when they repeated it. I would then clarify I was from Ottawa originally, and that seemed to diffuse some of the tension, but people always seemed fixated on the T word. The T word is especially prevalent in sports. Hey, what's on Hockey Night in Canada tonight? Toronto. Toronto. Hey, I'm going to check out what happened to the world of sports here. I'm going to watch one of these sports highlight shows. Oh, look at this. They're starting with... Toronto. Toronto. You know, whether it's blaming cuts in the office or workplace procedural changes, it always seems like the T word comes up as the excuse. Toronto. Toronto. Even when Swiss Chalet first opened up on the west side 20-some years ago, my excitement was quickly tempered when friends looked at me with a disapproving look because they associated that chalet dipping sauce coming from... Toronto. Toronto. So, back to white spot we'd go. Now, the word isn't quite as dreaded these days. Drake has helped bridge the divide in recent years with his love for the Six, and I guess the weekend, too, and... Most of us fell in love with the Raptors championship run. Is this the dagger? It was pretty easy to spot Blue Jays caps all along the seawall and throughout the lower mainland when Joey Bats did this. But we draw the line for that other dirty word, the Leafs. The team that runs half of Canucks fans out of the building when they roll into town. Boisterous, loud. It turns Rogers Arena into a battleground with Vancouver fans trying to protect their turf. The Leafs. Even fellow broadcasters get upset over the T-word. I remember one legendary sports voice out here slamming Bob Cole for showing more attention to the Leafs than the Canucks. Oh, baby! Oh, the Leafs. Is there a loss that stings more on the NHL calendar? Funny thing is that they've only faced off once in the playoffs. It's not really like there's a long history here. But the T-word still makes backs crawl out here. And tonight, a three-game miniseries with the Leafs begins against the Reeling Canucks. Win, and this town will smile like the sun is out in the middle of winter. Fail. And if you thought getting clobbered by Montreal was bad, well, as BTO might say... And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Yeah, it, it's funny, right? Our poll question this morning is, 
which team would you lose to in the North Division? It'll pain you the most. And I understand the Toronto take, and you really have to live somewhere else in this country and come to Vancouver and go, wow, there's a there's a dislike city to city here. Where would you rather live? Toronto, where it all happens, the West Coast, where we're laid back, we're hugging some trees. As far as hockey fans right now in our poll question, 35% of them say, no, I don't want to lose to Calgary. Montreal, 31% for Toronto, 20 for Montreal. We've just seen that act play out for the last week. I, I, I wonder if it's slowly changing, James, for younger generations. You and I go back um, to when you didn't have a whole bunch of options to watch and, and father or family members were usually a Leaf fan or a Boston fan or a Montreal fan, someone from the original six. It's something when the Leafs play here because those fans are coming to the games and it makes for an incredible atmosphere. But, you know, to me, uh, I don't look at the Leafs as, oh, it's really going to hurt that much more because it's Toronto tonight. They're different. Toronto's best defenseman's from Vancouver. You look at things like that. Their best players from the States. Toronto, not going to hurt as much as long as you're not inflicting the pain from a guy who used to wear a Vancouver uniform. And thus, I think that's why Montreal and or Calgary stay pretty high up on who the Canuck fans hate the most right now. Well, and maybe it's a sign that times are finally changing, that it has finally softened in this market after so many years. But, you know, you always typically get in a regular NHL conventional season Man, it's such a hot night at Rogers Arena when you got all the fans in and you, half the arena's packed with Leaf fans and half the arena's packed with Canucks fans. Um, look, this is this is one that tonight can go one of two ways here, Pear. It's either more of a conducive style with a little more of a free-flowing game as opposed to the banging and crashing that the Habs have kind of employed in the five games against the Canucks. Uh, or the Leafs simply run the Canucks out of the building tonight for a team that's giving up the most shots per game right now. It's not a good habit to have against a team that is just absolutely lethal offensively. Well, they've got to be better. I, I I think the Canucks feel that they can skate and create with anyone, and I would think a guy like Petey would rather see an Austin Matthews in front of him than, than a, a big centerman who's going to shut the, shut him down. So I, I don't think you worry about being run out of the building or run through the boards like you would with the big defense that Montreal has. But you need to be better, right? You you need to tighten things up because you, you are giving those odd man rushes to the talent they have in Toronto. You're picking the puck out of the net, right? You're, it, it's not going to look good. Like curiosity, who starts in goal? I would think we've debated it already. He went Holpe, which I thought was wrong on Monday. Then you go with Demko. You've had a day off. I would think you can kind of say – We've played better hockey with Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko's playing tonight. But you're going to need everyone to be at their best to beat a Toronto team. I'm watching the Leafs take on Edmonton. I mean, it was fun, great hockey to watch. But, boy, you weren't thinking playoff, clamp it down, and don't give any space. So Toronto's going to go, you listen, you try and drive that car as fast as we can. I don't think you can. And I don't mind if the Canucks – I think the Canucks go, okay, we'll, we'll play that style with you. Well – for everybody that wants to see Thatcher Demko get a run here, this is the window, right? Because you're on, off, on, off over the next few games here where you play tonight, you don't play till Saturday, then you don't play again till Monday, so you got a day off in between. You know, if there's a window that everybody wants to see Thatcher Demko get his run, now's the window. I don't think the Canucks screwed up from a goaltending standpoint with their starts, giving Thatcher Demko an extra day off in between on back-to-backs. Like, how can you how can you even suggest logically that it was a mistake when you're playing two guys back-to-back? You're flipping a coin, right? 
Those, those much well, you're just like, taking yeah. you're taking the good vibes. Everybody who was on the ice Saturday night in their best performance, everybody's back on the ice Monday night. That that's what I would have done, right? Yeah, we're, we oh, had yeah. sorry guys, we're putting the, we're putting a Vesna winner and a Stanley Cup winner in goal tonight, guys. Sorry, good luck with that. Come no, on, but man. you know what? Players Come play on. differently in front of it, and you just had your best night on Saturday with Thatcher Demko going goal. So you go, guys. Of course, we're not going to change the lineup. We're staying the same. So you go, okay, so Braden, you're not taking this one. You'll take the back end of it. You know what's interesting is Sheldon Keith spoke yesterday at the Leafs press conference, and he said how, you know, each coach is given a team to dissect and stay with it all year. Mm, we'll see what the difference is. Bo Horvat hasn't been great in the circle to start the first quarter of this season. Manny Mahalcher, of course, is the coach who is gone, and it's in Toronto. We talked about when he left. Yeah, that's going to be a big piece that's gone from from the coaching staff of the Vancouver Canucks. Mahalcher, of course, Keith said yesterday, no, well, of course we gave Manny Manny the Canucks to tell us what they're all about. I think Manny has a pretty good feel for this team too. So there's your one connection tonight that could turn out to hurt going, oh, okay, this is how you're going to do it. Like we have Sheldon Keith talking about it yesterday, but okay, well, you got Manny and you got the Canucks. Is going to help you? Having Manny here uh, certainly helps us with the preparations how we've gone about it here is that uh, you know, we, we've assigned, we, we've got six opponents and we've assigned one team to, to different members of our coaching staff and, and Manny to, to Vancouver was an obvious one and uh, certainly helps us, but uh, the puck is going to drop and all that stuff really doesn't matter too much when that happens. I think they've missed him, James. I, I think you miss a guy like Manny Mahalcher and what he's been able to do for this, uh, these guys. Bo Horvat in his last five games hasn't been any higher than 50% in the face-off circle. That's not a normal number for Bo Horvat. Is it because Manny Mahalcher's not there? No, I think maybe it's just been tougher, but Bo's normally better in the circle, and normally we've attributed that to Manny Mahalcher. Well, whatever the case, I mean, I, I don't know if you can sit there and chalk up with the loss of an assistant coach is the difference why they're a game below 500, but you're right. I mean, it's no. the, the numbers, you know, JT Miller has struggled in the face-off circle so far this year, Bo Horvat, and you know, uh, you know, I don't think anybody has said anything about Horvat being an issue with this team right now, but it looks like Bo Horvat is trending in the direction of another extended drought, right? Seven games without a goal. Um, you know, you need your cap. You need more from your offense. You know, uh, you need more from Patterson. You need more from Miller. And quite frankly, you need more from Bo Horvat offensively as well. If he's your second line center. Anyway, yeah, uh, we'll get to this with Brian Burke a little bit more. What do we got coming up in a moment here, buddy? Ah, we're going to get into it. A little bit of PS your way. So many things going on in the world of sports. Some of it BS, but no, we'll make sure all of it's PS. That's ahead on a game day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS. With Perry Solkowski. Another mother facts for you here on 649. Perry and James' starting lineup. P.S. everybody. Uh, media giving some heat to the Winnipeg Jets Blake Wheeler right now. You wonder, does the coach have his back? Oh, you bet he does. I'd just like you to be right about it. Like, I, 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 right, you'll, you'll do your deep dives and analytics, and God, they do a horse job of telling you what five guys do. Like, the goal that you, you're beaking them on last night. You got put in a real tough spot by a back check by somebody else, right? And I'm sensitive to it because I've been in awe of this guy since I got here, his, his work level. Like, he's unimpeachable in his character and how he runs that room and how he plays. Man, if you're Blake Wheeler, 
Don't you just think, hey, man, thanks, Coach. Thanks for going off. He's got 11 points in 10 games. He's minus nine, so people are pointing at that. But, man, you got to feel good when that's Paul Maurice talking about you, James. I think it's a great uh, a great defense of his captain and his leader. I mean, that's leader on leader defense right there. What makes – and I'll say this. Man, I go back about 10, 12 years ago when Blake Wheeler was in Boston. You know, he was taking a lot of stick about, you know, underperforming and – you know, he didn't really kind of want to deal with it and eventually found himself on the outside looking in in Boston. But he has become a leader in, in Winnipeg. What makes me nervous, though, Pear, he's got three more years at $8.25 million. He's 34 right now. I just wonder what that contract's going to look like in another couple of years um, as, as he continues to age, right? The numbers are still there offensively and statistically, but... I, I do wonder how much, how much of a concern that's going to be long term here for the next. Everybody, years I mean, this. we have it here with Louis, but with the financial situation, everybody who signed those big tickets, uh, I would think in the last two or three years of a lot of players' deals, you're going to okay, he's overpaid. But for now, the coach has his back. Yeah. Hey, we all know in this city that the Canucks have a history of playing through pain. That was the 90s, but if you look at the numbers for the last 10 years, the Canucks' history of playing hurt is good. But in the last 10 years, as we enter 2021, only the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks missed more than 3,000 combined man games. Man, this team got hurt a lot at some bad times, and the numbers state. Bad luck? Yeah, only the Penguins and the Canucks can say that they had over 3,000 man games in 10 years of hockey in the span of 2020. And the, and the Penguins still got two Stanley Cups. They were better. They were better. <laughs> P.S. Can you believe that people in Seattle could be missing this on Sunday? Like, I don't really mean they're missing the halftime show, but they could miss the entire game. Yesterday, negotiations broke off with DirecTV. They're having issues with the cable company. So as it stands now, if you've got DirecTV and that's your source for football in Seattle, which it is with so many, all the bars, all the restaurants, as it stands now this morning, you're not seeing the football game. Como 7, which we get here in Vancouver, they will lose so many of their viewers because they've got the telecast being CBS. John Clayton uh, took to Twitter, the longtime NFL insider, going, really? I've been to Super Bowl since the 80s. I can't travel. I've got DirecTV, and you're telling me I may not be able to see it. Now, there's multiple ways to see it through streaming, but right now, that's an issue in Seattle. Deadlines create deals. No bigger deadline when sports is your is your baby than the Super Bowl, right? Uh, and finally, P.S., in an old-school way of advertising, a coach got through to his young players. It wasn't a message in the bottle, but it was a message in the locker. It was a message on the car windshield. Eric Musselman, head coach of Arkansas basketball, wasn't happy with how his team was playing defense, especially the defensive boards. He took, and I'm sure it wasn't him, I'm sure he had someone who works for him, took 100 pieces of paper and simply photocopied defensive rebounds that went all over campus, all over the dorms, to the cars of all his players, and just put the message there. 
So they would sit and go, oh, geez, coach, defensive rebounds. Next game, they absolutely dominated the boards on Tuesday night. Message old school. It got through to the players, James. No BS, just PS. I hope they recycle. <laughs> you know what? It's the States. So I'm going to think not. Don't you get annoyed still when you when you get to your car in a parking lot and there's still like a flyer on there? See, I appreciate it. I go, that's funny, man. Like, who's still doing this? Yeah. I'm more annoyed when it's a ticket, and that seems to happen a little more regularly <laughs> than a flyer nowadays. <laughs> All right, 6.54. It is game day. Canucks and Leafs will dive into the story across the hockey universe as Brian Burke drops by for his weekly visit next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. That comes back to the line for Hughes. Now to the left circle, Miller. On to the right way for Pedersen. Irish shot, he scores. Elias Pedersen fires it off the crossbar and in. These guys are here to break it all down. The thing I think with Vertang is there aren't a lot of guys who can do what he does anymore. And someone out there is going to think, I want this guy's second chance. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Terry Silkowski sucked tonight. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Seven o'clock, how you doing? It is game day, Canucks and Leafs, 12 hours from puck drop. We got you covered here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, or actually, sorry, what are we? Uh, nine hours away. Whatever. Four o'clock puck drop, two o'clock pregame show. Yeah, figure a, out it's only math, math man. That's I mean, right. we're, we're essentially, it's a pregame show right now. Berkey will join us. We'll talk hockey. It's, it's the pregame show. You're okay. Hey, we should uh, we should also mention to this uh, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, kicking it with you. Uh, we were thinking of having a little bit of a, a virtual uh, watch along if anybody wants to join us. Uh, but if you're interested in uh, watching a little bit of the game, we're all kind of socially distant these days, stuck in our respective bubbles. But if you feel like having a beer or just even having a glass of water, or whatever, maybe joining us. Six fifty, six fifty. Text us your email, and if you want to join uh, Perry and I and watch uh, maybe the first period with us, uh, yeah, come hang out with us, and we'll. Watch a little bit of Canucks and Leafs later on this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock puck drop. And, uh, yeah, we can catch yeah, up. That'd, that'd be fun, right? I mean, we're watching the game. Everyone's listening is watching the game. If they're in a situation, yeah, Texas, you're in Texas. We'll get back to you. Fire an email. We'll, we'll grab some people, and, and we'll have some fun. I mean, everyone listens to our opinion, but so many people have an opinion. What's good and bad about the game? And, uh, yeah, no, it's a good idea. We'll there we do go. that. So uh, hit us up on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Uh, send us your email or your number, and uh, we can send you a, a Zoom invite a little later on and uh, and see what's up. Uh, let's bring in uh, Brian Burke, who is a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Berkey, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Tell me this. Uh, there is a lot of... Um, is there ever a player that you had was that the guy that got away where this market is kind of screaming right now after watching Tyler Toffoli rip Vancouver for eight goals in five games? Was there ever one that you kind of went, oh, man, that hurt? Well, the two guys that, that dogged me after all I did for them, right on the Twins end, it seemed whenever I after I left Vancouver, after I got let go in Vancouver, Got hoofed, got tossed aside, got fired, <laughs> not renewed. I'm over it. I'm I'm not bitter about that. No. Oh. Um, wherever wherever I was in Anaheim or wherever Toronto, 
the Twins would torch me. And I even said to him once after one game in Toronto, I think they had seven points between them. I, I even said to one of them, I forget which one, enough, <laughs> enough. Can't you have an off night when you play me? But I don't remember a guy going and, and – uh, but to me, the, I've heard some of the whining about this online. And so my answer would be, okay, so what should Jim Benning have done? He didn't mm-hmm. have cap room to sign him. He couldn't have matched this deal. What should he have done? This, this is not a case like where he consciously said, I don't want Tyler to fully back. This is a case of I can't afford him. So in a hard cap system, you have to make choices like that. So I, I'm amused by it. I think Tyler Toffoli's played really well against him. It's aggravating. But I'm amused by the fact that how how could they have let him get away? They didn't have the money to sign him. Now, you could turn back the clock and say, well, that's due to other decisions they made financially. But basically, they couldn't keep this guy. So they let him go, and he's, he's, he's sticking it to him pretty good. But that'll fade over time. Yeah, and not today because post media in an article, you know, Jim Benning to me, his fault is he's pretty honest. He's not very good at giving you an answer and lying in the answer. He's pretty much a straight shooter. And in it, Berkey, he said we just kind of ran out of time with him getting offers and one that he needed to take, and we would have had to move money out. Should he have given that honest answer, or is it a relationship you have with the player that go, just trust me, I'll be able to figure it out? Because to your point, I don't know, I mean, address your goalies, address your blue line, and then hope you can get to Foley. Is there any way he could have played it differently? Uh, not not to my way of thinking. It was pretty obvious at the start of the, of the summer that they were going to lose a lot of, they're going to lose at least two of those guys. And they've got some big decisions coming up where term would be a problem. Like if you think Louis Erickson's contract is a problem now, they've got some contracts coming up that they, if, had they signed to Foley or Tanev or both, or Markstrom, uh, they would have to say goodbye to some of these guys they're going to have to sign that are pretty special players. How much does this fall on Jim, though, just because of the, the whole salary management? You, you know, Vertan is sitting in the press box right now at two and a half million, and you're, and people are going, man, like, would would you not have been, you know, better served to maybe use those resources towards Toffoli? Uh, you know, obviously the Louis comes back to rear its ugly head. It's the Berchi money that's buried in the miners right now. I mean, is this essentially, you know, you're the captain of the ship. You kind of have to own this here, Brian? Well, you're the captain of the ship, so you're gonna they're gonna judge your performance on all, on all the metrics. And so, okay, let, let's look at the biggest single flaw I think that people can point to would be the cap management. I don't even know who does that for the Canucks, um, but the totality of the product, yeah, your judgment at the Erickson thing, you have to say yes, I signed that contract, Sven Verici. But look at the positives too. This is a guy that brought in Travis Green, who I think has done a marvelous job. His drafting has been nothing short of phenomenal in terms of the high picks. Like they, they never had a, a top three pick and they came away with Hughes and Pedersen and Besser. They, you know, they never had a, they got screwed in the lottery, I think three times. So I, I look at the positives and say, okay, the negatives, um, some poor financial decisions. Oh God, I, we've all made those. I, I can, the problem with the hard cap is, uh, is, when you make a bad decision, it's really hard to get rid of it. It's not like the old days. Um, but, yeah, you know, some of the criticism is warranted, no question. And and you can't take the bows. You can't accept the praise unless you accept the criticism as well. Mm-hmm. Here's Brian Burke joins us uh, every Thursday morning, the highlight of his day, James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. 
Berkey, let me ask oh, you yeah, this. Since sure. we last spoke, sure. Jake Furtano was... <laughs> I heard that. What did, what did... <laughs> Jake Furtano was scratched, agreed with it. They brought him back, played with a little more juice, scratched the other night. Uh, Elliot was on this station yesterday saying, I don't know if Jake's asked for a trade, but I think there's a lot of people that think they would like to be Jake's second chance team. Let's suppose he comes back tonight or in the next couple of weeks and Jake Furtanen starts to light it up. He's hitting people and he's scoring goals. Do you look at trading him because you've given him so many opportunities to go, now his value is high, or do you have to go, we're riding it out with this kid, maybe this is finally the wave we waited for him to catch? Well, if Jake is listening or if his family's listening, he's got to figure this out. Like, second chance, yeah, players deserve a second chance. But why would this player want a second chance anywhere else? He's playing in his hometown. He's he's gotten every opportunity. Figure it out there. Like, don't wait till it's too late and figure it out. Sometimes the player needs that jolt to get to get traded. He needs that kick right in the butt to get traded and figure out his life. Jake should figure it out right now. Like he's big, he can skate, he can score. He's maddeningly inconsistent. Like I watch him play, and I'm like, even from period to period, you don't know what you're going to get. And so he'll throw three hits in the first period, and then you don't see him again for the rest of the game. He'll score a goal in the first period, then you don't. He doesn't have a shot on that after that. So they are right to be frustrated with him. They are right to scratch him and bench him and and try to get to him. But my message to Jake, who's a pretty good kid, would be figure it out now. Figure it out there. Don't wait and figure it out somewhere else. No, I, I, I totally understand the logic with that, and, and that's the problem where you've kind of watched this for so long. I had somebody text me the other day, Brian, and, and you look at where the Canucks are this year. You know, they're 6-7. and seven. I mean, three of those wins have come against the Ottawa Senators, but – Somebody referenced something that you had touched on in your book in Burke's Law, which you can find on Amazon and all local bookstores. Support local if you can. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. How's that for a shameless plug, by the way? Thank you. Okay. Um, Anyway, the point being is this. Um, You had, I think, during the West Coast Express era here in Vancouver, you'd kind of frust you, you kind of talked to the players, if I if I remember correctly in the story in the book, that you basically said, figure it out or I'm making some changes, and then you went in and you brought in Trevor Linden. You brought him back here to Vancouver. Is is there an opportunity to do that with this team here, or just because of the idea with the quarantine, um, that's that's probably not an option this year for Jim Benning? Well, if you want to make a deal with the U.S. team, you see what Pierre-Luc Dubois, what they're making him go through, and he came in on a private jet and tested negative. And I don't think they've waived any of the 14-day quarantine for him who didn't fly through the passenger terminal at Vancouver International Airport. Um, so, no, I think it's really hard to make trades right now. And I think teams are still trying to, you know, we always talked about U.S. Thanksgiving, which I think the, all the people are telling me now is Valentine's Day. Yeah. So in a prorated 56-game season, the number of percentage of games you would have played by U.S. Thanksgiving when you supposedly are going to evaluate your team is the equivalent of what we'll play this year by February 14th. Um, but I think it's really, it's so hard to make deals in a hard cap system anyway. And now you got the border and quarantine, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, so yeah, it's, it's complex. It's, but it's very different when, before the cap, you make a couple trades, small trades, you shake your team up. It's no big deal. You get some, get some performance out of it. Now the, the dollars have to line up 
almost identical. Almost everyone's in the same cap squeeze. Um, should the Canucks fans be worried about this team? Saturday night, you were working. You saw a team lock it down for the final 40 minutes against what I think is a good Winnipeg team, and then nothing in Montreal. Do you, what team do you think this Canucks team is? Saturday nights or what we saw in Montreal? Uh, I don't know. I think it's too early to say. I think I think the goaltending, I think the team learned to rely on great goaltending, and that's a very dangerous thing. I think this team figures they can cheat once in a while, they can make a mistake once in a while, they can leave the zone early once in a while, and the goaltender's going to bail them out. And when you get that kind of goaltending, which they did last year, you get some bad habits, and you can see it in the film. You're watching the film, you don't even notice it during the game, but you get some bad habits. And that's what when I'm watching, I'm saying that's a team that learned how to play in front of a great goaltender, and now they're not getting great goaltending. And you have to play differently. You can't cheat. you got to be much more sound defensively. Uh, but I do like the pieces. I do like the coach. So I say it's too early to, to panic on things. What are, you, uh, what are your impressions so far from what you've seen from the Leafs, uh, the Canucks opponent tonight? I mean, it seems like they can score at will. Yeah, that, well, I mean, I hate to say I told you so because I hate people in the media that say I told you so. I used to hate that because they never say, yeah, I told you so. I told you they'd be in first place, but I got nine other things wrong. They never mention them, right? <laughs> so I don't say I told you so. The only thing I'd point to is, my belief at the start of the year was that the Montreal Canadiens were the best team. I said it on this show in the in the North Division. And that Toronto was closely behind them. They they can score at will. They got great depth. Their goaltending's been good. Special teams been pretty good. So yeah, they got a hand they got the Canucks have their hands full. Can teams have better matchups? I mean a lot of people thinking, you know what, that's a big defense in Montreal. We would pay the price. Do you think the matchup where the Leafs go, we'll go skill on skill with you because I don't think you can match us up. Could it be a better fit for, for Vancouver? Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I, I think it's a, but the problem is you don't, the issue with playing Toronto is you watch teams game plan for them. They say, all right, we're going to try to eliminate the Matthews Marner combo, whoever the winger is that plays with them. Or we're going to try to eliminate the Tavares-Nylander combo and whoever plays with them. And the problem is both those units are very seldom quiet on the same night. So it's kind of pick your poison. If you keep Matthews and Marner off the score sheet, then you got to worry about JT. And so it's it's I watch teams game plan here. And if you have a checking line and you're playing at home and have the last change, which line do you check? Because the second power play unit of this team has been – more powerful than the first power play unit. So it's it's a it's a team full of weapons, and the, the goaltending's been good. Um, they're a handful right now. The uh, the Olympic management roster was named by Team Canada yesterday. Um, do, do you think we'll see it? Do you think we'll see the NHL players next year? Do you think we'll get it a Winter Games going next year? And and who's who's your favorite? I guess if if, if it is going to go down. Yeah. Well, first off. We, we should, you know, touch wood. We should have some return to some sort of normalcy for next year with the vaccine getting distributed widely. By the fall, I, I, I hope and pray. They're talking about, you know, that they'll be in the millions of arms in the next 60 to 90 days. But 
there, by the fall, I'm hopeful that we'll have some return to normalcy and some return to our calendar. I think it's important that the NHL get back on its calendar. We start training camp when we traditionally do, start games when we traditionally do, uh, playing into July and August. Uh, yeah, we have to do it this year, but we don't want to do that going forward. So I think there will be an Olympics. Um, I hope they scale it back. That's a topic for another rant some other day when we're bored. But uh, my feeling has been the Olympic Games have gotten absurdly large and that there there's too many events. Uh, they've basically each discipline has added events. So we had it at Sochi. Now you guys you probably watched this with interest. We had a lose relay in Sochi. Now I'm you got to be kidding me. A lose relay? Really? Mm-hmm. So they've got too many events, too many athletes to feed, to house, to protect. It's too big. You'll never see a Grenoble. You'll never see even a Vancouver games would be difficult now. But they're talking about they had two bidders, I think, on this last summer Olympics. Two bidders because it's too big. So here's an opportunity to scale it back, get it back, get rid of some of the events, get rid of some of the, the distances. So anyway, answer your question. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a passionate subject for me. Uh, yeah. I think the Olympics are great. I think the NHL should go. I think we will go. I really like the management team. I think Doug Armstrong is a brilliant guy. Donnie Sweeney, uh, Louie—they—they're really a good staff. And yeah, I think I think we're going to have the Olympic Games. And who's the favorite? I have to wait and see the teams. I take it you're not big on breakdancing being a summer Olympic sport. Let me ask you this, well, sir, because you have built that. a lot if, of American. If you look at the yeah. if you look at the events, like, I believe they had a co-ed biathlon event in the last Winter Olympics. A co-ed biathlon event i really don't care about a co-ed biathlon event they've added distances and events just to justify the the a number of medals and, and without regard for how how pure a competition is it and so to me they've got to simplify this if you look at the events they had lake placid 1928 and berlin in 1936 uh we we can we can get by with something like that now some of the events have added are cool like that the half pipe is cool. It's a cool event. Mm-hmm. It requires great athletic ability. I get it. But they don't need to have 80 competitors in the half pipe. Bring in the 20 best. How tough is it to pick a team? You've been involved with huh. the Americans, and I think in the last 24 hours, everyone goes, all right, let's name all the superstars. And then you look at the lineup and go, okay, these guys are going to get 10 goals a game, but who's shutting who down? Like, do you need the grinder? Seaball was saying earlier, I'd find room for Tom Wilson on teams. Like, do you look that way? Because those aren't the first guys that fans think of. Do GMs and people putting it together think that way? Well, you remember back in 2010, Brendan Morrow was on that team for Canada. Brent Seabrook was on that team for Canada. Yeah. Someone's got to kill penalties. And so, like, what we did when we put our team together in Vancouver, silver medal, nothing to sneeze at. We were picked to finish sixth. We took some specialty players. We took. We looked at the job descriptions on the board. And we brought Chris Dury, and we brought Timmy Gleason. And I remember people laugh at me. People are like, why are you bringing Chris Dury? I said, because he's Chris Dury, for God's sake. And Tim Gleason led our team in block shots and was our number one penalty-killing defenseman. So, yes, you need job descriptions, and you need to fill those job descriptions. You can't take the 20 best players. You can't. And, and like, this is a – we used to say the easiest job in hockey is GM a Team Canada for the Olympics. Like, look at, look at the wealth of players you get to select from. But then you realize it, it's hard, too, because you've got to fill those jobs. Like like a Jerome McGinley in that 
he might be a penalty killer on your team, a, a Hall of Fame player, a star. But on that team, he might have to kill penalties and he might have to block shots. And so it's important to fill the job descriptions for each role that you want rather than pick the 20 best players. Well, the president of the International Luge Federation is online one and would like to have a word with you, Brian. Yeah, put him on. <laughs> Thanks for this. He'd like you to be part of the relay team. Yeah, well, we're... In spandex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Take care, Brian. Later, Berkey. See you, guys. Thank you. There he is, Brian Burke, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited uh, weighing in on what ails the Canucks. And, you know, I think the it's fair in terms of what he's saying about Jim Benning. Right. Understands the logic to it. But, hey, look, you know, we can all sit here and pat Jim Benning on the back for landing Quinn Hughes and bringing Elias Pettersson on here. But he's also got to wear it. He's got to wear the financial mess that this team is in right now. And, you know, he's the guy. He's the top of the food chain in terms of organizing this. He's assembled the staff. But, you know, they're in cap hell, as Brian alluded to, on Hockey Night in Canada a couple of weeks ago, Pear. And that's why Tyler Toffoli's not here. You know, when you got all that money sitting idly by, it hurts. It hurts well, this and team. The thing is, James, they'll have a little bit more money to spend this offseason. But do you trust the guy doing the spending? You trust him drafting, and you trust a different sense, but do you trust how the money has been spent? Right now you can argue no, but he's going to need this team to get into the postseason, in my mind, to be in charge of making those offseason decisions. Because 100%. I think it might just be yeah. too easy to say, no. Didn't make it. Time for someone else to come in, and they'll reap the benefits of what he's put together. It is. It is fair. It is fair game to uh, to to question Jim Benning's future here if this team misses the playoffs. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Let's bring in Sonia Azza from News Eleven Thirty just down the hall here as. Uh, we inch closer and closer to Super Bowl Sunday. It's a clean sheet of ice here for the Canucks in Toronto tonight. Sonia, are, are you feeling better? Or are you still frustrated? Where are you at? I think I'm like every Canucks fan, aren't I? Just You're just sort of wondering what every game is going to bring, and you hope you don't get blown out like you do against the Habs. Yep, I know. I had to. I had to. But that makes it exciting, right? I mean, you don't want to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't never not look forward to a game, right? So it's us against the Leafs. Yeah. yeah let's see how it goes. Obviously, they're doing very well, and it's handy to have Manny Malhotra there. So that's nice. He's doing a very good job. It's too bad we still don't have him. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think it'll be a good game. Uh, what a horrible uh, story, uh, and, and I guess I don't even know if there's the encouraging thing is that uh, two people are in custody now, but yeah. uh, the seniors beating that you uh, brought to light uh, yesterday here on this show, what uh, what's the latest? So it is a 78-year-old woman. She's now passed away from her injuries. She died in the hospital, which, you know, to be completely honest, and I said this yesterday as well as when I spoke to the investigators, they knew that was coming. Her injuries were just... They were so vicious. They were so grave that um, she did pass away. So, yes, the silver lining is we do have two men in custody. Uh, they both have extensive criminal records. They've been in and out of the court system for years now. Uh, one of them was a resident of the homeless encampment at Strathcona Park in Vancouver. And now there are more urgent calls to say what is happening with that and are we going to fix it? Is it going to be dealt with? Is it going to be cleaned up? Is it going to be addressed? Because, uh, you know, as far as we know and as far as what the investigators have told us, this is an innocent woman who lost her life through a random attack that should have never happened. And it's shaken an entire city. It's shaken the entire region. Yeah, it's it's so tough to fathom as to why 
uh, you know, our condolences out to anyone who knows this woman and the family. Absolutely. That you you can't control. Sonia, there's also news of something you can't control. Yeah. You people don't... who should be smarter <laughs> and they're not right now. And it's keeping a lot of people and putting others in danger. Let us know what's going on with North Shore Rescue. So North Shore Rescue is the busiest search and rescue team in North America by far. Like these guys do a lot of work, guys and gals, I should say. Um, so we, not we, they set a record in 2020 for the most calls out they've ever had, 151. And they had a record-breaking January. They had 15 calls. And then so far already in February, they've had several calls, including two or three a day. So, you know, the, the basic message is the same message. I think they've repeated a million times, which is if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know where you're going and you're not prepared, please don't go into the backcountry. You know, we live in a stunning region in a beautiful part of, of this country. And yes, I know it's tempting, especially right now during the pandemic. Everyone's getting a little crazy being at home. You want to get out. You want to head into the woods. But if you don't know what you're doing, please don't go because, you know, keep in mind like this they're 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 a volunteer team they don't get anything for this they get woken up in the middle of the night to come and find you because you're like oh i wore flip-flops to climb a mountain was that was that wrong and you're like yeah kind of yeah no 100 percent. like yeah. don't be don't be an idiot but you know i would say this I, I and i i think it's amazing what north shore search and rescue does but i think there's also uh, i know what they're saying that they don't want to hand people a bill but for the amount of resources that those guys uh, utilize, yeah. at some point, Sonia, like you know, if if you're doing something outrageously stupid and you need help, I think it's fair game to hand somebody no. the bill to clean up the mess. No, I completely a little bit of it. Yeah, I got a ticket when I park poorly. How about when I put someone in danger because I'm dumb and say, ah, and the snow doesn't look bad. I'll go that way. No, I no, agree you guys, you. I, I completely disagree with that. And the reason is, and they will say the same, is because if you put in a financial penalty, it will be a deterrent and people won't call and people will die out there. The bottom line is someone's going to lose their life out there because, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I can't pay the bill. I can't afford it or I don't want to piss them off. So I won't do it. So, yeah, I know it's frustrating, but at the same time, yeah, if you put in that, if you make people pay, no one's going to call North Shore Rescue. They're going to be too scared. I'm not sure. I don't know. That is I, the I think exact if you're reason sound they enough don't to charge. go hiking, you're going to go, you know, I think I'll get out of this my own. I don't know if that's the case. That is the exact reason they say is the reason why they don't do it is because if, if we charge people, then no one's going to call. When that Look. girl died last month, that snowboarder from, from Toronto, that was, yeah. that, they got so many hateful comments. Even after she passed away, there were so many, there was such, you know, putrid hatred on social media about, oh, you should have charged her. Oh, you should have just left her there. No way. Are you kidding me? You say that now, but imagine if you're out there and you're stuck and you really need help. Are you going to say the same thing? Probably not. No, but I think that there's, uh, look, I, I think the reality is, is that you, you ultimately have to deal with it. You can take it by a case-by-case -case basis, like, hey, look, something innocently happening is one thing. Mm -hmm. Something that, hey, you were warned about doing this, going to the backcountry, and, you know, at, at some point you have to own responsibility. Anyway, yeah. I think we'll agree to disagree on this, but <laughs> Aslam, I appreciate I will call Mike Danks right now and get yeah. him on the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Mike. Give me, take me on a helicopter ride. Uh, all right. Thank you, Aslam. You take care over there. Thanks, boys. All Listen. right.
There it is. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this uh, Thursday morning. It is game day. We'll dive into uh, potential candidates for uh, who could be on the Team Canada roster. We'll do that as the Canucks and and much, much more. Jim Benning's comments obviously garnering a lot of interest in Post Media's uh, article this morning as well in the Vancouver province. We'll get to all of it. It is game day here in the city. Canucks and Leafs here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Man, it's amazing how polarizing that discussion is about search and rescue, whether people should pay or not. A lot of people jumping into the Dunbar Lumber text line here. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. We're getting called capitalists. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Yeah, you know, when COVID first started, you know, we're out by Bunsen Lake and my wife and I went for a hike and there was really nobody around. And we got to a point where, you know, it's typical. We've been married so long. We weren't talking to each other because, where are we? Like, what have we done here? I mean, now we had a pretty good idea where we were, but you came to the point that you go, man, that was stupid. Like, you know, let's just get home. This was dumb. And, and I, I don't know. I'm a capitalist. I just think I know some of these guys who have been hurt, who work for search and rescue, and, and they're not going to say anything publicly. But boy, James, when you see one someone that just makes a stupid mistake, you go, you know, what should the consequences be when you're putting someone else in danger? And man, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's is it the same reason? There's a lot of like I said, our text line. I just think there's there's got to be some kind of a consequence. Other than I'm sorry, because when they're setting records and you're putting people in danger, uh, I think you got to pay the price for stupidity. Well, I, you know what? I, I think the one suggestion here at 650, 650, uh, people should be charged for making stupid decisions to put others in risk. I think there's something to be said about that. It's it, it it's if it's simply recklessness, it's one thing if, hey, look, accidents happen. I think there's a common sense element to that, but it's... Um, yeah, I think the idea of maybe people being charged for making stupid decisions and putting others at risk, I think there is some validity to that. Anyway, uh, as we mentioned, it is game day here in the City Canucks, and the Leafs, they go at it 4 o'clock this afternoon, puck drop, uh, suggesting a, a viewing party. We've had a few people jump in and suggest they'd like to be a part of it as well, but if you'd like to... Uh, Potentially join Perry and I for a little viewing of the Leafs and the Canucks. Join us, maybe have a have a beverage, social distance style. Um, text us on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, send us your email, and uh, we'll send you a link later on if you want to join us for uh, watch the watch a little bit of the game, and uh, we'll kick it. Yeah, Don't why not, man? It's 4 o'clock start. You're watching. I'm watching. In the world of Zoom meetings, I mean, my goodness, I, I, I have hosted an event for Africa. It's just, okay, we're collecting in. Here we go. So we thought you want to uh, watch the game with us. Send us an email on the Dumber Lumber text line. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up. We've got some names. You never know who could pop up in the viewing party, but I think it'll be fun to see. Question is, James, and I have this for you and for those listening too. So let's imagine we see Jake Vertanen, who, of course, we heard Elliot Friedman talking about yesterday. And Jake hasn't asked for a trade, but he knows there's a lot of people waiting around. Berkey answered it. What do you do if Jake Vertanen goes off for two weeks? If you're the Canucks, do you believe? that's Jake Furtanen and finally he's arrived? Or do you go, you know what? So many chances. This is awesome. He's on a streak. Let's trade for him now and get the most we can for him. What would you do? I think you've got to be resigned to the fact that you will never recoup the value that you invested in Jake Furtanen, right? 
Like what's the what's the value on the on the market for a sixth overall pick? Right? If you were to trade if you were to try to trade up or trade Oh, you're, for a yes, sixth you're not getting pick, right? that. You're never getting that. Uh, you know, I think the Canucks are committed to Jake Bertan in this season. I just think that you're you're not moving anybody with a two-week quarantine. I think you saw the one with Dubois and Line A, but that one worked, and you had two disgruntled employees. And I think the one in Columbus, that situation had reached a fever pitch, right, with the benching and just how public it was starting to play out. From a Vertanen standpoint, do you try to sell high? Look, I think the there's enough... There's enough evidence. There's enough of a body of work for Jake Bertanen that's out there. Sure. I mean, if there's a taker that there's a palatable offer for Jake Bertanen, sure, move on it. You know, I'm sure there's also some loyalty. There's been a lot of talk in Calgary this week, Pear, about Sam Bennett wanting out in, in with the Flames, right? And and the sentimental attachment that Brad Living has towards Sam Bennett. Like that was his first pick as the general manager of the Calgary Flames. Jim Benning's first pick as a general manager in the National Hockey League here in Vancouver was Jake Bertanen. You know, you got to wonder how much of a sentimentality there is for Jim and Jake, right? I mean, those two are attached to the hip. That was his first pick. That was his guy, right? We're coming up on seven years since they drafted him, sixth overall. Mm -hmm. They'll never get that value back. It's just a question of what ultimately becomes a Jake and whether he'll live to see, or, you know, He'll live through it as a hockey player to see his time here through. I, I think we all agree that it's probably time for a fresh change, and the offseason would have made more sense, and especially now because of what Tyler Toffoli's doing, and you're like, Yo, you paid Jake and you didn't pay Tyler. You know, It's a tough one to digest, but you'll never recoup that value. Yeah, and he gets paid more, I think, next year. Uh, it almost, do you, do you move him to get him off the books? waited so long i just don't know if they go hey he may we know what it's going to be he's going to have two really good weeks and then he's going to disappear again but i do think there is always that risk factor that they have just waited but he gave the nothing the postseason we waited for four years to get him there and he didn't show and then yes as benning said yesterday he's traditionally a slow starter well yeah he is but will he ever start fast anywhere it would just be an interesting asset and i think he will have a flash again this year but you wonder if when they have that flash, you go, hey, anybody interested in him? I think you're right. Making trades are going to be difficult at this point. But um, I, it's it's too bad because I, I do think it's like it's like a couple of high school buddies. And, you know, the one guy just never really did much. But he's still your pal and he's always hanging around. And sometimes you're going, yeah, I don't want to be around this guy anymore. Your, your wife's saying, move it along. No, man, that's my boy. Jake's my boy. And I think Jim Benning does have that. That mindset, but he's moving off it as others become better. And when Pod Colson comes, it might be, all right, Jake, see you later. But we'll see. It's, it's up to Jake, as Brian Burke said. Good suggestion here on the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, at 650, 650. Jim Benning should call North Shore Search and Rescue to help the Canucks. Well, he doesn't know what they are. He knows where they are. He doesn't know where their head is, though. And maybe there is the similarity, but those that take the wrong path. See, he would be fine, though. In this situation, Benning would be fine because this is self-inflicted. Cap management, right? Yep. In this case, if North Shore Search and Rescue had to come out and bail out Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks, see, in this particular case, you would hand out a fine to said individuals because of cap management. Because that was self-inflicted. Maybe community service if you need to call the North Shore. Hey, you know, we, we would appreciate if you would help in this area make our community better because you just put people at risk. Pick up the garbage.
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who are well off that donate a little bit back when they're looking for funds and all that. But I, that surprised North Shore Rescue uh, setting records by everything that's happened. Uh, 741, your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. We'll talk to Canucks insider Ian McIntyre uh, and kind of weigh in much more on uh, Jim Benning's comments in post media and uh, where things kind of sit for a team that is still trying to figure out their identity. And uh, tonight will represent the quarter pole mark of this season already. I mean, it started three weeks ago yesterday, and here we are already at the quarter mark of the National Hockey League season for the Vancouver Canucks. In a moment, uh, hey, get your Olympic roster projections ready. Uh, we'll dive into that from a Team Canada standpoint and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks. It is game day on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 747, Sabalski, Silkowski. It is game day. Don't forget, pregame show starts here for the Leafs and the Canucks at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 4 o'clock with Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch. So, Team Canada's 2022 uh, Olympic uh, management squad. Uh, Doug Armstrong named the executive director of Team Canada. And then uh, a whole lot of. He's got a posse, right? He's got Ken Holland. He's got Ron Francis, Don Sweeney, Scott Salmon from Hockey Canada, and Bobby Lou, Roberto Luongo, and his $3 million recapture. I, I'm not sure if Hockey Canada has to deal with the recapture on that as well. But um, it is quite the uh, the robust management team. And, man, like, you know, Brian Burke touched on this earlier, Pear. What an embarrassment of Rich is trying to pick a Team Canada squad here, right? Like, you know... Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon, just to start, right? There's your three shoe-ins guaranteed. And then you got to figure out from there, you know, what is, was it, what does it all look like? Well, he mentioned, and Berkey put together, and he won't take full credit. He was part of a general management team that 2010. And he throws out, I remember Tim Gleason. Well, Tim Gleason was on that team. But as he said, easy to come up with the stars. And when I think you, you put this team together, it's easy to fire up McDavid and, and McKinnon and, and and Bergeron and throw everyone out. But as Berkey said, someone's got to kill penalties. So how do you build a hockey team? And can you take that superstar who's going to be on the power play on his own team and go, here, this is what the fit's going to look like. So it'll be fascinating. I think the Americans will be better. I mean, we've seen it with the junior team. The Americans are deeper than they ever have been. But still, I think the cream of the crop, you just kind of salivate and go, oh my gosh, can you imagine the lineup? that you can put together with Team Canada as we get set if it goes in next year? The one name that I look at, you know, Bo Horvat's name's been mentioned on that roster. Uh, yeah. You know, Matt Barzell, from a local standpoint, could he factor in? I, I See, I think Bar- Barzell might be in tough to try to crack a spot with just the Yeah, where does he play, right? Yeah, where does he fit in? I, I wonder, you know, you mentioned this to Brian, but I kind of suggest the idea, like, wh- what about a Tom Wilson here? And and I get you know it's not about laying somebody out, but a guy that big, that fast, who could kind of play up and down that lineup. I mean that's a that's a weapon that isn't necessarily a bad idea. Who can bring some physicality out there, but a guy who can also play with pace 
in the open ice on a bigger ice surface that you would see. You know, blue line to me is is fascinating here as well, Pear, because you know I think Kale they're going. By the way, they're going to play North American ice. Um, Kale McCarr factors into you know I think he's a shoe in for that. I mean Shea Weber's going to be thirty six. Do you still want somebody yeah. like that? I mean he's still playing big minutes for the Habs. He's looked fine. Um, you know, as Drew Doughty, Brent Burns, like, do those two guys still factor in? I still think that there's a lot of mileage left in Drew Doughty's game. Uh, Brent Burns, you know, at some point, you know, you're looking, I don't think you can have all these guys. Alex Petrangelo, he's in his early 30s. I think he's probably mm-hmm. a lock for that. Um, you know, I've seen some suggestions for Bowen Byram maybe getting some consideration, even part of a taxi squad. Thomas Shabbat, I mean, what he can do with the Ottawa Senators, I mean, it's been tough to kind of see it because of the, the nightmare that has been for the Ottawa Senators this year. But, I mean, I, there's a lot of questions on the blue line. Like, how young do you go? Well, and I think that's the mix, right? How, how young do you go? I think Dougie Hamilton, and, and maybe just because I've watched a little bit of Carolina this year, is, mm-hmm. is a player that's there. Theodore, as you mentioned. There's a shoot. It's what yeah, do you do? How Theodore, deep do you go? Sure. Right? How deep? Is Steve Stamkos on the team? You know, he's always, he had such terrible luck representing our nation. He was always hurt. Yeah. But yeah, he just won himself a Stanley Cup last year. Uh, he's had some rest. He's healthy. Do you look at that? I think he'll be about 31, 32. Do you, do you put him on the team? You're right. Is Drew Doughty still there? Jonathan Taves, if he gets back to playing hockey, do you look at him? Some point you got to move yeah. on, I think. Uh, well, I, and 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 I, I'm as I'm a huge Jonathan Taves mark. Like I am a big Jonathan Taves fan. But when you look at the depth in the middle, I just don't know where JT fits in at this time for a 2022 squad, right? I mean, I like okay, McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, right? I mean, you could conceivably load those three guys up on a power play. Imagine dealing mm-hmm. with that. You know, Patrice Bergeron still got game. I'll tell you what, what I'm seeing right now, based on the failures in 2006 in Turin, I think you want to make sure you've got some young legs. You know, Nick Suzuki, the way that he is projected to be Patrice Bergeron 2.0, I mean, if he continues to play the way he is right now this season for the Montreal Canadiens, and watching him gobble up what he did to the lotto line this week, for a kid who's 21, boy, how do you leave him off the roster? Yeah, I, I, I would. I just think you want more experience. But, you, you know, you think about the last time we got together and, and we saw the Olympics best on best. It was the most dominating, almost boring performance by Team Canada, James, because they just, like, they didn't give anything up. They were so rock solid, you couldn't do anything against them. Um, so you, you look at the lineup and you go, I don't know if you just go talent all over the place. They've done a nice job of building. Here's the best team. These guys will fit in every role. I mean, do you think of Dan Hamhuis as a guy who had a stellar NHL career, yes, rock solid. Was he one of the best ever? Well, he was on that Olympic team. Yeah, he, he didn't play all the games, but, man, he was one of those guys that steady, as steady as you can find, won't make a mistake. They dominated last time they got together, and you look at it, and I, I believe that's the question. You know, it was 33, 34, too old. Crosby's there. Jonathan Taves, if he's healthy, well, at some point you move on. I don't know if you move on to the extent of a Nick Suzuki, but those are some questions that will have to be answered. So Carey Price will be 34. I think at this point he's your starter. Carter Hart is probably your number two. But then who would so. be your number thir- your number three? I've seen some suggestions for Mackenzie Blackwood. Like does Mark or Mark Andre Fleury garner consideration in his late 30s? 
I mean, Braden Holpe, I mean, depending on how, how his season's going. You know, Darcy Kemper, when healthy, is pretty good. You know, where Yeah, you, I would think he could be there. Yeah, great. Greg Ballack is our uh, de facto goalie uh, guru here as a, as a goalie coach and tracking all things goalie analytics here on the other side of the glass. Ballack, you tell me, who is your number three if you got to pick a roster right now? He's mom. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I yeah. don't know. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. I'll have to... Uh... I'll have to think about that for a little while. I think it's tough, right? Like it's not. It it's not as yeah. the, the depth. The depth, like you know, I don't know if the depth is clearly there, especially from a young goaltender standpoint. If you want to bring somebody along, uh, Langley, fun guy, uh, letting us know what do we think about Besser, Miller, Hughes on Team USA? I would say yep. And Langley, fun guy, you could see Thatcher Demko as maybe a third goalie there too. I, I think yeah, Canucks will have great representation on Team USA. Whether Bo Horvat's on Team Canada. I'm not sure. Bo can play in multiple roles. I think that will be his advantage. Uh, and if he, he plays and gets back to the level he was in the bubble, yeah, he'll get consideration for sure. If you're if you're looking for a shutdown guy, I mean, look at the options that you've got. You know, Ryan O'Reilly. I think you have yes. to have Ryan O'Reilly on there. Yeah. You know, Sean Couturier, Patrice Bergeron. I think those guys all place ahead of Bo. Right. That's where I think Bo might be in tough to try to crack a spot, but. No shortage of firepower up front. No shortage of two-way players. Um, you know, goaltending, I think you've got Price and Hart. You go as your one-two at this point, and then I guess you've kind of flip a coin as your number three. You know, Dar- Marty Marty Turco, a big reason why he was the number three pair, was just being a guy who's good in the room. You know, it might be just more of a chemistry yeah. thing, knowing that somebody who's got a good temperament to kind of keep the guys relaxed. Um, and knowing that you're probably not going to play, but you're going to be along for the ride. So anyway, we'll get into your Canucks commute in just a matter of moments. It is game day. Canucks and the Leafs are Canucks insider here at Sportsnet 650. Ian McIntyre joins the discussion next here on your home of the Canucks game day on Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. The thing I think with Vertan is there aren't a lot of guys who can do what he does anymore. And someone out there is going to think, I want this guy's second chance. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Yes, the question is, when? When does that happen, right? I mean, we feel like we've been talking about it for years. It is your Canucks commute here on this Thursday, February the 4th. Jim Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, hour number three of the starting lineup. And this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Game day here as the Canucks will try to end a two-game slide with a clean slate against the Toronto Maple Leafs. First meeting of the season between these two. First of nine pair, um, and potentially a matchup that lends for a little more free-flowing ice based on the way the Leafs play. And I'll tell you what, anybody but... Montreal, I think, feels like a, a, a nice breath of fresh air, I think, here in Vancouver right now. Well, if anyone watched some of the Leafs games against Edmonton, it's it's firepower against firepower, right? And Toronto has an awful lot of it, and I think the Canucks would welcome that. The problem is if you still give up great scoring chances, the Leafs got the snipers, right? Berkey made a great point that maybe this team just got used to playing so loosey-goosey because you knew the goalie, that last line of defense, had been there for them. So you could take those risks. And so now you just got to play it a little more simple. And we'll see if they do that tonight or they get caught up and go, okay, we think we'll score six. We'll let you guys score five. That's not the best way to succeed in this league. But you need something with confidence and you need to see 
you look at you don't like the fact happening. that post game they go, you know, we were better. You need to start winning. We're twenty five percent through the season. After tonight, I mean, you've got to start making up ground. If we're going to say, hey, Montreal, you're gone. You're, you're going to be at the top. We don't worry about first place, but you got to make some hay against others. And I would put Toronto in there, right? you got to make sure you have something and take advantage of, of these opportunities because you blew it in Montreal. You need to win this series against Toronto. You know, a lot of people talking about uh, the comments uh, attributed to, and the quotes attributed to Jim Benning in today's edition of the Vancouver Province in uh, Post Media on their website. Um, an article where, you know, basically Jim Benning uh, answers what a lot of us have been feeling for probably the last three weeks since Tyler Toffoli tore a new one into the Canucks, his former team. Five games eight goals. How the hell did he get away from this team? And how could you not find a way to make it work at a cap hit at just a shade over $4 million when you gave up a second round pick and a, and a top end prospect in Tyler Madden. Here's what Benning said, quote, it was our intention to try to get him signed. And if we could have had a little more time, we could have tried to work through that. It got to a point where I know Tyler wanted to come back and we were trying to figure it out. We kind of ran out of time with him getting offers and one he needed to take. We would have had to move money out. Um, you know, Pear, it's it's just you you prioritized other things, right? You prioritized goaltending. You prioritized upgrading your blue line. I think there was a sense that they'd be fine with the scoring that they had from Pedersen and Horvat and Besser and Miller. So Tyler Toffoli was easily a number three option. But unfortunately, you know, and I don't blame Tyler Toffoli. Like, hey, man, nobody wants to be sloppy seconds or sloppy thirds for that matter. Right? You want to feel, especially at free agency, you want to feel like you're prioritized. And so... This was a Canuck standpoint that they didn't have the money. They had, they were tight for cap space, trying to deal with Jacob Markstrom. I understand the priorities, but this is on Jim Benning, man. This is it's a bad look when you've got two and a half million sitting there as a healthy scratch in the press box right now, and what ten million dollars of dead money, whether it's Berchi, whether it's Erickson, whether it's a Spooner buyout. You know, you wonder where the money was. There it is. There's ten million dollars sitting right there. D O A. Say this, though. They acquired Tyler Toffoli like a year ago in, in two weeks. They, they acquired him in the middle of February. When you acquired him and you think, okay, so we're going to give this up, but we should be able to sign him if he fits in. It'll be okay. So Tyler Madden, he's not going to help our team right now, but Toffoli finishes that top six forward. Besser, I believe, was hurt at the time, and you go, this will work. February 17th of last year, Jim Benning wasn't thinking the salary cap will not go up. In fact, James, I mentioned yesterday, there was a story, I believe it was March 4th of 2020, when the rumor was the salary cap could go up to $89 million. So when you acquire him, you're thinking, you know what, maybe we can get Jacob, but if not, we're going to have the money to keep Tyler Toffoli. Now, I mean, that whole world changed. So now it's Jim Benning, how do you figure it out? And he couldn't figure it out because of mistakes that were made years ago. So I, I don't disagree with his logic of, all right, we can't afford Markstrom, now we've got to realize top priority. We can't just go with Thatcher Demko. Let's figure out the goaltending situation. Great. We can't afford 10 if that's too much and he's hurt. So let's walk away. You screwed up with uh, Troy Stetcher because you probably could have figured him in. All right. Well, we got an H. Schmidt. That's great. Tyler's going, hey, hey, Jim. Yeah, it's Tyler on line two. Tyler, we'll get back to you. I know you want to be here and we want you to. Time ran out. Now it's on Benning, but I don't uh, disagree with how he prioritized things. 
Get your goalie. Make sure your goalies are okay. Help yourself out on the blue line if you can. Get Tyler Toffoli. And at some point, Tyler Toffoli goes, I got a better offer and I can't wait anymore. I'm going to have to go. And as Jim Benning said in his article, kind of just ran out of time. That's on him, but I can understand how it happened. But you and I are both eating poop emojis for feeling that same opinion, right? I think we were both of the opinion, did not want to commit to six years at $6 million on an AAV for Jacob Markstrom, right? And and to go four years with Chris Tanev based on the injury history, I didn't like it either. But right now, right now, I'm not talking about three years down the road, but right now, Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev would be a massive upgrade on Nate Schmidt and Braden Holpe. Nate Schmidt is yes. still trying to find his way here. And you know what? He may ultimately do that. I think everybody wants to fall in love with Nate Schmidt here in this market. We love his personality. We love what he can do. We watched what he could do with Vegas and the two-way game that he has. But it's not there right now. He's having a hard time. And we haven't seen – I wouldn't say that Braden Holpe has been bad, but I don't think Braden Holpe has been great. He's been average at best as an NHL goaltender here in Vancouver. Okay, what's going to happen if in three weeks, and I hope it doesn't, if all of a sudden we hear Chris Tanev's got hurt? This text line, the Dumber Lumber text line, you know what? Chris Tanev, I mean, it's fact, right? You look how many games he misses. Last year was an anomaly. He actually played every game. We knew he was going to get hurt. That's too bad. Travis Hamannick comes back. I mean, we haven't really seen Travis Hamannick. He came in, hadn't played for a year, gets hurt. So it, it can work both ways, but the perfect storm just happened to the Vancouver Canucks. They had a crazy schedule, and Tyler Toffoli ripped them to pieces. So you should be angry. How come he got away? Well, because, you know, what had happened in years prior, he got away. But at the end of the day, Niels Holglander might arguably be the most consistent top six forward along with Brock Besser in the last two weeks while this team has sputtered. And you're going, this guy actually might be legit top six. If Pod Colson is like that, and if Tyler Toffoli slows down, what if Tyler Toffoli doesn't score again for a month and Holglander scores three? Are we going to have the other debate? But right now, I agree. Give me Markstrom. Give me Tanif. Give me Tyler Toffoli. But that's a quarter way through this season when a guy's on the the greatest moment of his NHL career. I don't think that's continuing. Our Sportsnet Canucks insider, Ian McIntyre, joins the conversation here on your Canucks commute. Good morning, iMac. Good morning, fellas. If if only things were like the good old days, huh? <laughs> what was well, the good when old were days? the good old days in the bubble or against uh, August, find the good uh, days. August 1st to September 5th. That was what? Canucks finest five weeks. Since yep. Yeah, and guess what? Was that the real Vancouver Canucks, or that was just the greatest five weeks in the most surreal circumstances well, where no one was allowed was the, to go in? Hopefully it was the real Vancouver Canucks, because if these are the real Vancouver Canucks that we've seen the, f- the first three weeks of the season, then I don't know what's going to happen. It's not good. How do they well, get so you, stupid? I mean, I guess, Ian, I mean, the one thing that everybody's kind of looking at right now is, you know, how could the organization not make it work with Tyler DeFoley? And I know you've kind of jumped in on this uh, a lot over the last few days, but, you know, I I could also see this market losing their minds had they not chosen to qualify for Tannen or or try to keep him around to let him walk with the amount that they've invested in him. But give me a sense that was there not any way to do it? Well, of course, there were ways uh, to do it. They just weren't able to to execute them. the The, the reason the discussion on Toffoli is different than uh, the other two guys you mentioned, Markstrom and Tanev, 
is because uh, their contracts didn't make sense. Their contracts no. don't make sense, really. I mean, maybe they'll make sense for Calgary, and I hope they do. They're both great guys, uh, but there was no way the Canucks were going to do six times six with a full no move for Jacob Markstrom, who is about to turn 31. And Chris Tanev, I think they would have loved to have had back, but, you know, four years at $4 million plus for someone with his, the mileage that he has on him, uh, that didn't make sense either. Tyler Toffoli at four years and four and a quarter, well, that makes a lot of sense for whoever has him. Uh, it's a very reasonable contract. Uh, you know, for various reasons, some, all of which are speculated, which makes it hard to know because uh, I, I don't think we're ever going to know because you would need to talk to Toffoli and Pat Brisson and Jim Benning and Francesco Aquilini maybe Travis Green, but probably those other four, you you could get to the bottom of it, but you'd need subpoena power, and none of us have that. So we're not going to know exactly, but that was that was the most that was the most doable. And as as far as Jake goes, I don't think I don't think the uh, torches and pitchforks would have come out to anywhere near the same extent uh, had they let Jake go. I think they tried to, in fact, I know they tried to uh, see what the trade market was, see if they could uh, make a move with Jake uh, leading up to the draft, you know, between the short time, between the end of the season and the draft. And uh, I don't know what the offers were though, but it was decided they were going to keep them and then they were going to, to retain him and you know that that was kind of the the value choice that's the simplistic value choice but as i've said this isn't just apples to apples it, it's it, yes you can look at what it's costing jake for jake for two years but Tofoli has a four-year deal and and the reason the Canucks are in the bind they are is because they signed these contracts uh, two and four years ago for you know the the uh, Petter, or sorry the Erickson contract and then a couple of years ago the the deals for Beagle and Roussel and they didn't look far enough ahead or if they looked far enough ahead when they signed those deals, they didn't envision the problems that they might be in cap wise now. So it's very prudent of them when they're assessing these things, not just to look at, well, it'd be great to have Tyler Toffoli right now, but what is our payroll going to look like three years from now and four years from now? And that said, I would still rather have Tyler Toffoli on the team, but it's not a straight apples to apples. Well, if they didn't have Jake, then they could have kept uh, Toffoli. But that was one, obviously, uh, one of the key pieces that would have had to have been moved to to make room for Toffoli. The other thing about this debate as well, and again, I, I'm I'm starting from the position that if it were my team, I'd like Tyler Toffoli on my team. But the scoring is not the Canucks' problem. <laughs> 
like Toffoli no. just shredded them. But the the Canucks have have got the eleventh highest scoring rate in the NHL, which is about where they were last season. They were a top ten scoring team last season. The goals scored are not the problem. The goals against are the problem. And they did have to make an attempt to upgrade their D. Right? That's where I think there would have been a lot of howling. If the Canucks had just they re-signed Tanev, re-signed Stetcher, and brought back the same D. I think there would have been howling then because most people recognized the defense had had lagged behind the forward group and they had to do something to try to improve it. So they made a big deal for Nate Schmidt, who's costing them $6 million a year. And, and, you know, to that end, Ian, do you know, like, do we have any idea when Travis Hammond can be back? Because, you know, gone real quick, hadn't played much hockey, comes back in struggling, hurt. Uh, I think you're right. If all of a sudden we were shutting things down a little bit defensively, it's easier to stomach that Tyler Foley's playing. Yeah, any idea when Hammond could be no, returning? No, I have no idea. The Canucks are <laughs> leveraging the the access privileges they have right now. Yeah. Um, as as are most teams, um, I suppose. Jake Furtanen comes in as a regular and really starts contributing. Are they going, thank goodness he's here? Or although as difficult as it is, you think the organization is going, you know what, we've seen this act before, let's sell high. Mm, well, if they could sell high, they would have sold high uh, before the draft. And I don't think selling high is a possibility right now. So, uh, the fact that they have so recently invested in him by recent, uh, I think they would be relieved if he, to answer your question, they'd be relieved if he came back, played well, and helped their team. Uh, I, I think it's a really, uh, an almost impossible situation to make a good trade right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what you're asking is like, should they try to well, trade Well, I guess him? what I'm asking, I know, I guess what, it is tough to make a trade. I guess what I'm asking is they've almost made up their mind with him. Like, okay, Jake, we, you know, we signed you the deal. We expect you to come, and now here well, we are again at your yeah, school. Yeah, but I, I don't know they, about that. Didn't they, what's different than, than last year? Jake wasn't in their lineup when the playoffs began. Yeah. And they still re-signed him. So I, I don't know that. That the how many games has he played? Is it eleven? Has he missed two, or has he missed? I don't even know. But what, whatever it is, in the first three weeks of the season, I don't know how things have fundamentally changed. No, nope. I, I think I think that they've been frustrated with him at times, but they've been hopeful as well. And you know, the comment from Jim Benning when they did sign Jake was that they've seen you know, how good he can be in glimpses, but they haven't yet seen his best. Travis Green has said that as well, that that they're still waiting to see the best of Jake. I don't know that they would necessarily now just give up on that hope uh, because of of three weeks. You know, I I think they'd be pretty, (laughs) they'd be pretty elated, I think, if Jake came back into the lineup and, and scored a bunch of goals for them 
and you know what, ultimately, and, and I know Elliot Friedman brought this up about the, the, the likelihood that uh, how, you know, Jake is unhappy and maybe he wants a change. And, you know, I said after last season that I think it just has the feel of a situation where, where maybe both sides need a change. But he was re-signed. And uh, I just think the, the best thing, whether Jake's happy, whether Canucks happy, the best thing for everybody is if he gets a chance to play well and does well, because it at least will create some options. Create some options for the Canucks to find another place for Jake to play. If if that's, a, in fact, what he wants to do, if he wants to go play somewhere else. And it, it certainly provides options for the Canucks to try to move him. But right now, under these conditions in the pandemic, for a guy making two and a half who's not scoring, who's out of the lineup, I mean, it's basically impossible to make any kind of any kind of trade that's going to help your team. Well, thanks you for this. Um, it is game day, so uh, I know you got a long day ahead of you. So thanks for finding the time with us bright and early this morning to talk about all the sunshine and lollipops going on <laughs> in Canuckland this morning. I'm looking. The sun the sun's out there somewhere, right? It is. You know what? Uh, you can see it's a little cloudy here in Boundary Houston Bay this, this morning. morning. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ian. See you guys. Thanks, Mac. There he is, Ian McIntyre, uh, our Sportsnet Canucks insider here with the latest um, Tyler Toffoli, Jake Vertanen. Look, I. I don't know. I mean, I think there's been enough of a body of work of Jake. Like, he kind of is who he is, right? I don't think, like, do you see a day that Jake Bertanen's going to be a 30-goal scorer in this league at some point? No. Well, I thought the body of work was pretty good in the regular season. Got them 18. Figured maybe, okay, he takes a step forward, he'll get them 20. So, I mean, you could trend and say that was the hope. But, I don't. you know, and there are some guys in a tough circumstance where, you know, the grind of it, some will excel in this and some will struggle. And maybe that just hasn't helped Jake right now. I, I just wonder if at some point when he does get on a roll, and I understand Ian's standpoint, it's so tough. Are there really, as Elliot said, that the trust factor is gone? Even if he plays a couple of good games, it, ah, it's, it's not there. So we'll see. I, I don't think he's here next year, but uh, who knows? I mean, I th- I th- we all thought that last summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just. I didn't that, think Johnny Gaudreau would yeah. be in Calgary. There's a lot of people you don't think they're back, mm-hmm. and yet here they are. You know, Vertanen. You know, and Jim Benning alluded to this in this post media article uh, when addressing Tyler Toffoli's situation. But you know, Vertanen took eight games to get his first goal last year, right? Kind of a slow mm-hmm. starter, and and Benning kind of alluded to the fact that Jake, you know, is a slow starter typically to kick off a campaign. You just don't have time for that this year, right? So you either show up to play or you don't. But, you know, Vertanen was close to 20 goals, but he also, you know, had a very frosty start to the season and then kind of went cold down the stretch too, right? I don't think he scored a goal in the final, what, seven or eight games of the regular season before COVID kind of shut everything down. So, look, I think he is so enigmatic but i think there's enough to say after a while look he is who he is he's a wildly inconsistent player who you know you you get one out of every four games and if you're okay with what he gives you in terms of his ceiling then okay but unfortunately it's not good enough right now which is why he's a healthy scratch 
but it's hurting the team because there's two and a half million dollars that you could have used and put in the direction to try to help keep a guy like Tyler Toffoli here. And you got a guy who's leading the league in goals scored right now, and you got one guy sitting in the press box eating popcorn. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, everything that could have gone wrong. Perry, you alluded to this at the beginning of this conversation here. And it was, you know, I don't think at this time a year ago, we didn't expect COVID to shut down the world like it did a month later. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the projection of the cap that was going to climb somewhere between four and eight million dollars, that it was going to look like the cap was going to drop in somewhere around 84 to 88 million dollars for this upcoming season. And then COVID yep. changed the landscape. Right. So a, so a flat cap impact the Canucks. Right. You know, the mm-hmm. the Ericsson, I mean, that's 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 on your that's on you. Right. Like your, your cap management, that's on you. But. How does this team look like? You probably could have kept the band together in a lot of ways had Markstrom and Toffoli and and Tana potentially if you're looking at a cap that would have expanded like the NHL had publicly stated that it was going to initially before COVID-19 basically wreaked havoc on the finances of the National Hockey League and every other sports organization. Well, and, and think of the timeline. So they traded for Toffoli uh, middle of February. Yep. And in the beginning of March is when there was speculation out that the cap could climb up to as high as 89. So when you're having that conversation to trade for Toffoli and to give up Madden, you're probably going to your front office and going, now we've kind of had some overtures. He's good buddies with Tanner Pearson. I think we'll be able to sign him uh, with the cap next year. So we'll give up Tyler Madden. We'll give up a pick. All right. As long as we've got him. Yeah, it's good. And then everything three weeks later, we're shutting down. We're, we're, we're not playing hockey. And, and it's, and it continues to rear its ugly head every day, every minute, as we just found out that the Sabres head coach, Ralph Kruger has tested positive for COVID. So he's gone into protocol. So the Sabres don't have a head coach. So you're making those financial moves and you're always thinking of seasons ahead and the next play. So when you made that move for Toffoli, he's there. Now you have to react, but you, how much room do you have to back up the car when you go, oh, shoot, I don't got a lot of room. There's a $6 million barricade there. I got even less room. There's a $3 million barricade there from Berchi. And now you're closing in on me and the walls are too tight. And Benning, no excuses. He put those barricades there, but he thought he'd have a little more money, to a little more room to squeeze it out. And it didn't. And I I don't think you can, you know, someone texted in and said, that's an excuse. It's not an excuse. That's a fact. How you're projecting things and it doesn't happen. Like we're seeing with businesses everywhere right now, I think we'll make this in revenue. No, you won't. The world's changed. I think we'll sign Tyler to full. No, you won't. Now the world's changed. Did he make a mistake in how it's handled? Possibly. But that wasn't the game plan when they brought the fully over. They figured they would have the money. Well, just remember the old saying, when you assume you make mm-hmm. a, you know what, out of you and me. All right. It's 26 minutes after eight o'clock here on this Thursday morning. It is game day. Canucks and the Leafs pregame show starts at two here on Sportsnet 650. Batch and Hershey with the call coming your way at four o'clock. And by the way, if you're at home, and you want to join us for a little watch-along. James and Perry here on the starting lineup. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Shoot us a note with your email if you want to join us and hang out, a little watch-along, maybe have a social distance bevy. We can all rant about the Canucks together or plan the parade route when they're up 4 nothing after the first 20 minutes of play. 650-650 if you want to join Perry and I for a little watch-along later on this afternoon. Brian Burke joined us bright and early this morning, weighed in with his thoughts of what's ailing the Canucks these days. We'll share that conversation with you next right here. It is game day on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now more of the 
the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 8.32, a reminder this hour of the starting lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you. Uh, maybe the best text of the week so far on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, Perry, coming in from Jake in Campbell River saying, one more Tyler Toffoli name drop on this station and we have officially reached crazy X stalker status. Tyler Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Rome. Don't call me Chris. No. Bet you're not going to call me Chris Everett again. Chris, Chris. <laughs> yeah, we're there, Jake. You're not wrong. Um, but Tyler Toffoli had the greatest NHL uh, week of his life twice against the team that he wanted to play for and didn't. So, um, yeah, we have to move on and forget, right? Forget about the ones we let go, and we'll see if that's the case starting tonight in Toronto. You know, and I think there's been a lot of people that have supported Jim Benning along the way over the years, uh, but now we're kind of up almost to seven full years, and where the mess is, hey, look, if the big guns turn things around, a lot of this goes away, but the fact is there is a lot of weight on the uh, on the shoulders of Pedersen and Miller and Hughes and Besser and Horvat to try to lift another $10 million of dead money right now, and that's uh, that's a big burden for this team to try to fix. Brian Burke weighed in on exactly those issues right now this morning, and also uh, you know Tyler Toffoli getting away, Jake Vertanen struggles as well. Berkey pulling no punches this morning, and we kind of started by asking him, with Tyler Toffoli ripping into his former team over the uh, early start of this season, has there ever been a player that got away from you, Brian? The two guys that, that dogged me after all I did for them, bringing the twins in, it seemed whenever I, after I left Vancouver, after I got let go in Vancouver, got hoofed, got tossed aside, got fired, <laughs> not renewed. But I'm over it. I'm, I'm not bitter about that. No. <laughs> um, whenever, wherever I was, in Anaheim or wherever, Toronto, the twins would torch me. And I even said to them once after one game in Toronto, I think they had seven points between them. I, I even said to one of them, I forget which one, enough, <laughs> enough. Can't you have an off night when you play me? But I don't remember a guy going and, and – uh, but to me, the, I've heard some of the whining about this online. and So my answer would be, okay, so what should Jim Benning have done? He didn't mm-hmm. have cap room to sign him. He couldn't have matched this deal. What should he have done? This, this is not a case like where he consciously said, I don't want Tyler Toffoli back. This is a case of I can't afford him. So in a hard cap system, you have to make choices like that. So I, I'm amused by it. I think Tyler Toffoli's played really well against him. It's aggravating, but I'm amused by the fact that how how could they have let him get away? They didn't have the money to sign him. Now you can turn back the clock and say, well, that's due to other decisions they made financially. But basically, they couldn't keep this guy, so they let him go, and he's 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 sticking it to him pretty good. But that'll fade over time. Yeah, and not today because post media in an article, you know, Jim Benning to me, his fault is he's pretty honest. He's not very good at giving you an answer and lying in the answer. He's pretty much a straight shooter. And in it, Berkey, he said we just kind of ran out of time with him getting offers and one that he needed to take, and we would have had to move money out. 
should he have given that honest answer or is it a relationship you have with the player that go, just trust me, I'll be able to figure it out? Because to your point, I don't know. I mean, address your goalies, address your blue line, and then hope you can get to Foley. Is there any way he could have played it differently? Uh, not not to my way of thinking. It was pretty obvious at the start of the, se- of the summer that they were going to lose a lot of – they are going to lose at least two of those guys. And they've got some big decisions coming up where term would be a problem. Like if you think Louis Erickson's contract is a problem now, they've got some contracts coming up that they – if had they signed to Foley or Tanev or both or Markstrom, uh, they would have to say goodbye to some of these guys they're going to have to sign that are pretty special players. How much does this fall on Jim, though, just because of the, the whole salary management? You, you know, Vertan is sitting in the press box right now at two and a half million, and you're, and people are going, man, like, would would you not have been, you know, better served to maybe use those resources towards Toffoli? Uh, you know, obviously the Louis comes back to rear its ugly head. It's the Berchi money that's buried in the miners right now. I mean, is this essentially, you know, you're the captain of the ship. You kind of have to own this here, Brent. Well, you're the captain of the ship, so you're gonna they're gonna judge your performance on all on all the metrics. And so, okay, let, let's look at the biggest single flaw I think that people can point to would be the cap management. I don't even know who does that for the Canucks, um, but the totality of the product, yeah, your judgment at the Erickson thing, you have to say yes, I signed that contract, Sven Verici. But look at the positives too. This is a guy that brought in Travis Green, who I think has done a marvelous job. His drafting has been nothing short of phenomenal in terms of the high picks. Like they, they never had a, a top three pick and they came away with Hughes and Pedersen and Besser. They, you know, they never had a, they got screwed in the lottery, I think three times. So I, I look at the positives and say, okay, it's the negatives, uh, some poor financial decisions. Oh God, I, we've all made those. I, I can, the problem with the hard cap is, uh, is, when you make a bad decision, it's really hard to get rid of it. It's not like the old days. Um, but, yeah, you know, some of the criticism is warranted, no question. And and you can't take the bows. You can't accept the praise unless you accept the criticism as well. Mm-hmm. Here's Brian Burke joins us uh, every Thursday morning, the highlight of his day, James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. Berkey, let me ask oh, you yeah, this. Since sure. we last spoke, sure. Jake Furtana was <laughs> – I heard that. What did, what did... <laughs> Jake Furtana was scratched. Agreed with it. They brought him back, played with a little more juice, scratched the other night. Uh, Elliot was on the station yesterday saying, I don't know if Jake's asked for a trade, but I think there's a lot of people that think they would like to be Jake's second chance team. Let's suppose he comes back tonight or in the next couple of weeks and Jake Vertanen starts to light it up. He's hitting people and he's scoring goals. Do you look at trading him because you've given him so many opportunities to go, now his value is high? Or do you have to go, we're riding out with this kid. Maybe this is finally the wave we waited for him to catch. Well, if Jake is listening or if his family's listening, he's got to figure this out. Like a second chance. Yeah. Players deserve a second chance, but why would this player want a second chance anywhere else? He's playing in his hometown. He's, he's gotten every opportunity, figure it out there. Like don't wait till it's too late and figure it out. Sometimes, the player needs that jolt to get to get traded. He needs that kick right in the butt to get traded and figure out his life. Jake should figure it out right now. Like, he's big. He can skate. He can score. He's maddeningly inconsistent. Like, I watch him play, and I'm like, even from period to period, you don't know what you're going to get. 
And so he'll throw three hits in the first period, and then you don't see him again for the rest of the game. He'll score a goal in the first period, then you don't. he doesn't have a shot on that after that. So they are right to be frustrated with him. They are right to scratch him and bench him and, and try to get to him. But my message to Jake, who's a pretty good kid, would be figure it out now. Figure it out there. Don't wait and figure it out somewhere else. No, I, I, I totally understand the logic with that, and, and that's the problem where you've kind of watched this for so long. I had somebody text me the other day, Brian, and, and you look at where the Canucks are this year. You know, they're 6-7. and seven. I mean, three of those wins have come against the Ottawa Senators, but somebody referenced something that you had touched on in your book in Burke's Law, which you can find on Amazon and all local bookstores. Support local if you can. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. How's that for a shameless plug, by the way? Thank you. Okay. Um, anyway, the point being is this. Um, you had, I think, during the West Coast Express era here in Vancouver, you'd kind of frust- you, you kind of talked to the players, if I, if I remember correctly in the story in the book, that you basically said, figure it out or I'm making some changes. And then you went in and you brought in Trevor Linden. You brought him back here to Vancouver. Is, is there an opportunity to do that with this team here or just because of the idea with the quarantine um, that's that's probably not an option this year for Jim Benning. Well, if you want to make a deal with the U.S. team, you see what Pierre-Luc Dubois, what they're making him go through. And he came in on a private jet and tested negative. And I don't think they've waived any of the 14-day quarantine for him who didn't fly through the passenger terminal at Vancouver International Airport. Um, so, no, I think it's really hard to make trades right now. And I think teams are still trying to, you know, we always talked about U.S. Thanksgiving which I think the, all the people are telling me now is Valentine's Day. Yeah. So in a pro-rated 56-game season, the number of get, percentage of games you would have played by U.S. Thanksgiving when you supposedly are going to evaluate your team is the equivalent of what we'll play this year by February 14th. Um, but I think it's really it's so hard to make deals in a hard cap system anyway, and now you got the border and quarantine, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um so yeah, it's it's complex. It's but it's very different. When before the cap, you make a couple of trades, small trades, you shake your team up. It's no big deal. You get some get some performance out of it. Now the, the dollars have to line up almost identical. Almost everyone's in the same cap squeeze. There's Brian Burke uh, weighing in this morning on the Canucks' latest issues: uh, cap, Vertanen, Toffoli. The ones that got away, yeah, Daniel and Henrik, <laughs> they certainly had their ways with him. But Brian Burke joining us this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, yeah, and, and stuff going on. It, it looks like Thatcher Demko is in the starters net as the uh, Canucks are on the ice. No surprise, right? I'm not surprised if that's the case. Uh, Sam Bennett looks to be scratched tonight from Calgary. So you're talking Jake for Tannen, and I know you put it out there, Sam, for Jake. I'm all for it. I just don't think the Calgary Flames would be all for that deal. Well, you know what? Look, Jake brings some size. He brings some speed and wildly inconsistent. I, I think, obviously, Sam Bennett has shown to be more of a playoff performer and brings a little more sandpaper to the lineup. But, I, you know, it just might be a fit. You know, I, I know that the idea of making a deal with the devil, with one of your arch rivals uh, within the division might be painful for some. But I think we're kind of past that now with the fact that Tanev and Markstrom are in Calgary. Uh, Josh Levo as well. But... You know, pair. You know, maybe there is, maybe there is a fit. Maybe there's some other parameters that need to be done. Maybe a draft pick goes, you know, each other's way. But the dollars add up perfectly with those two. 
They're three months apart within the age range. They're two picks apart in the NHL draft. Probably a little more offensive upside with Jake, but a better two-way game with Bennett and addresses that, you know, that eventual glaring hole in that third-line center role once Brandon Sutter's gone. And I think you've kind of seen that I don't think Adam Gaudet is a third-line center in the National Hockey League at this point. There's a lot of logic to it other than the both GMs are going to know it would kill me. Can you imagine what this fan base would be like if they trade Jake and all of a sudden he lights it up for Calgary? Like, but how, people, how long oh, can you say that? Give up on him, Pair, Like, are, are you like uh, so? If, if if I mean, you can say that about every trade. Like, Jake Vertanen goes to the Florida Panthers, right? Oh man, he becomes something. I mean, look, it's been seven years, right? Oh, I'm not seven saying years. I agree with it because I would make that deal if I'm Jim Benning in a heartbeat. I'd go give me Sam Bennett. You guys don't. Sam Bennett still does more for Calgary than Jake does for Vancouver. But I just don't think the GMs go, no, we can't play that card. I can't have Sam come up against me and, yeah, it's likely not to happen. And Jim will go, oh, yeah, no, he'll be good for you. But you know how this fan base is. We've gone crazy on Tyler Tafford, uh, who's had the greatest week of his career. I think we got to be past that now. Uh, it is uh, 8.45. Some final thoughts. We'll try to get you paid tonight in the National Hockey League as well. It's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. Game day here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 10 minutes to 9 o'clock. The uh, Scott Ritchell Show coming your way uh, at the top of the clock. James Sabolski, Perry Sokowski. Uh, last call for a couple of invites. Uh, a lot of people jumping in. We'll try to keep it manageable. But uh, we're having our uh, we're going to do a little watch-along party for this Canucks and Leafs game starting at 4 o'clock. So if you're at home, feel like you want to watch a little social distance style with a beer, a little Zoom style, Text us on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 with your email, and we'll uh, we'll shoot you an invite, and you can uh, come hang out with us and watch the game. 650-650, send us an email, and, uh, yeah, you can come hang out, and we can all rant together. Well, they listen to us, so we figured, why not? We're watching the game with Zoom. You can connect with a bunch of people who listen with us. So, yeah, send us an email on the text line, your email address, and, yeah, we'll keep it uh, we'll keep it handy, get to know some of the people who are listening to us, their perspective on what we're watching with the Canucks. And the up and down of this hockey team. Uh, you know, you got to pick for today. I was right again. My goodness, the money I'd be making if I played all my bets. Uh, I said take Tampa. I gave up actually a goal and a half. Tampa was fine yesterday in one of two games in the in the NHL. If, if you're looking at making a bet today, stay away from the Canucks because I don't know what's going on, although their odds are good. Uh, I'm going to take Rick Bonus, who kind of called out his team. They've only lost once. But Bonus talking about we better learn how to play these new teams and dislike them. They were better against... Uh, Carolina, they got Columbus ending their road trip tonight. I'm going to take the Stars to be a winner tonight. Yeah, I was a winner last night as well, uh, suggesting that the Bruins would take care of business against the Flyers. And tonight, you know, there's a lot of tantalizing ones. I'm going to stick with a team that has yet to lose in regulation this year. I like the Florida Panthers to keep the good times rolling over the National Predators, who have lost four straight on the road. I also like, I'll tell you what, I like the over between the Canucks and the Leafs tonight in Toronto. I mean, you got a lot of teams. I mean, look, the Canucks have a ha- tendency of giving up a lot. Uh, they're also averaging over three goals per game. They're giving up close to four goals a game. I'm doing the math on this. I'm going to take the over at six and a half tonight. At some point, and it's not tonight against Montreal, but at some point, the Ottawa Senators are winning hockey. I'm not taking. You know what? I'm not taking. I'm not taking. I'm not taking, I'm not taking them to beat Montreal tonight. No, that's the wrong time. But I, when they're done with Montreal, I don't know what their schedule is, who the next opponent is. 
I will take them to win a game. They're just too good at this point. But yeah, as far as the Canucks, the numbers are good. I just don't know what we're going to get tonight against the Leafs. Yeah, fair enough. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously they've got to be stinging, but I think it's mentally it's got to be a fresh start, knowing it's not the Montreal Canadiens, and I think that's got to help in the right favor. I think it has chance to be a fun game. Uh, you know, a lot, lot of firepower, a lot of offense at both ends of the ice, and uh, be looking forward to that. And we will be back here tomorrow to break it all down. Also, look ahead to uh, the Super Bowl as well coming up on Sunday. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will join us. Parrot will also talk to one of the best football analysts in the business. And that's from Fox Sports, the one and only Brock Heward. Yeah, break it down. Uh, earlier this morning, we had uh, Todd Furman on. He's thinking maybe it's the Bucks. Weather may not be good on Sunday. Look forward to what Brock has to say as he breaks down what's going to be a fascinating, weather-wise or not, Sunday with Brady against Mahomes. The Scott Ritual Show is coming your way just moments from now. We're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Friday morning. Don't forget, pregame show at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 4. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.